way. Yeah, man, man, man. All out of options, nothing to choose. I pissed out on Netflix, I'm sick of the news. I'd sign up to Sky, but I don't want to pay. I've been on furlough since May. <laughs> now I'll go and listen to a company at a number 28 which revolves around season three episode two heavy metal so george for the first time in what seems like a very very long time guten tag ah guten tag it's been a it's been a while it's been a while it has we were i was just saying to you there i've like totally forgotten how to do this <laughs> So, um, yes, so here we are. We are back and um, we are uh, uh, deeply, deeply apologetic to all yeah, yeah. our loyal uh, listeners um, and uh, watchers um, who have um, been um, uh, who have been sending us messages via the social medias. Yeah, there was a couple of concerned people. I did see that, yeah. There was, there was, there was. They thought maybe we got COVID and uh, dropped dead or something, yeah. Which, I mean, in essence, you know, what it does is it uh, actually uh, restored my faith in human nature, in the fact that um, we were actually, um, uh, you know, not just pissing into the wind, and uh, the stuff that we were doing was actually being enjoyed by the general populace, the millions and millions and millions of loyal viewers and listeners. So, look, we we are back with this episode. I am not going to promise that this is the return to guaranteed every Friday episodes. Um, the unfortunate thing about it is, is I'm going to be totally honest, right? So uh, we went back to work, um, yeah. both myself and George. Um, we went back to work and um, we were working uh, outside of the home environment, um, which is a put of a bit of strain on time. But not only that. So these episodes are longer than previous episodes. Yeah. And, and um, there is no... There is none of the script available on the internet. So on the previous episodes, there's a there's a website called Wiki Quotes, and yeah, on yeah. that website there was about a quarter of each script was tra already transcribed onto this document, so you could just download it, and it was like a quarter of the job was already done. Um, whereas that's not the case here. So not only are the episodes longer. But there's no there's no little cheat code there to, to get some of the work done for you. Yeah, yeah. So you know the, to transcribe this episode, you know it takes six hours. You know, <laughs> not it's not uh, you know six maybe more. It, it's a good six hours. 
and it's not uh, it's not an entertaining six hours. You know, you've got to pause and write it down and pause and write it down. So it, there, there is a lot of work that actually goes into this. But mm. so if anything, I bought a new bigger notebook. Oh, look at that. See, George, you're stepping up to the plate there, mate. Stepping up to the plate. Which I haven't what? used yet. I'll use the next one. Longer episodes, bigger notebook. Yeah. So if any of our loyal viewers and listeners would like a job and i mean when i say a job i mean a voluntary job it doesn't pay yeah, yeah, yeah. unpaid we don't make any money whatsoever out of this podcast then you can um apply via our email address which is our bbzn again at gmail.com and what we need is we need someone to transcribe the episodes for us whether that be um you know however you want to do it um, you know, if you can find the script somewhere, then brilliant. If not, like I say, do it what I do as I play, as I sit there with my computer with the episode on, and I play the line, and then I write it down, and then I play, and then I pause, write, pause, write, pause, write, pause, write. And it's like I say, it's a fairly, fairly in depth process. So, if any of our, like I say, if any of our loyal readers, uh, readers, if any of our loyal watchers or listeners, would like to become part of the podcast and have your name immortalised as part of the crew, then feel free to get in contact with us. But if you want to get in contact with us for any reason whatsoever, so you can tell us how glad you are that we're back, you can tell us how sick you are that we're back, um, which would be a bit silly because you're the one listening to it. Um, you can tell us how fantastic either myself and or George are and uh, how brilliant George's little elf on the shelf, I think, that is behind him. Yeah, yeah. Knitted by my mother. Both oh, well, there you go. You've got your, you improve it's Christmas time. He's got his Santa and he's got his uh, snowman there. If you want to give us anything at all, or like I say, just general abuse, please feel free to email us on rvvizian again at gmail.com that's rvvizian again at gmail.com remember we are available on all forms of social media well the the ones for adults anyway and um, please follow us on instagram at rvvizian again podcast that's instagram at rvvizian again podcast uh twitter at Alf again. That's Twitter at Alf again. Uh, please do like and share the Facebook page, which is Alf Wiedersehen again podcast. That's Facebook, Alf Wiedersehen again podcast. And please do subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Alf Wiedersehen again podcast. So go on to YouTube, search Alf Wiedersehen again podcast, click on the page and click subscribe. And then click that bell. And what that will do is that will alert you to any new episodes that we may or may not be about to release at some point in the near future. But remember, we are also available on all good audio podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, Google Podcast Breaker, and many, many more. And uh, remember, where we it's written on the page here. It says here, new episodes are released every Friday. We know that's not true. So new <laughs> episodes... New episodes are going to be released as and when we can squeeze them in. But we are going to try and desperately do that. Yeah, yeah. But, as always, our fantastic theme music is composed and performed by the guitar man, Mr. Lee Dosky. Um, so please, 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 please do like and subscribe. Well, we, we could be heading for another lockdown, so... Uh... 
perhaps we'll be well, doing more if, regular episodes. Exactly. If we, are, if we do head for another lockdown, then yes, that would be the case. I genuinely hope... I mean, there's part of me thinks, yeah, that'll be brilliant. And there's part of me thinks, no, that'll be rubbish. So we shall <laughs> see. Um, also, remember, our sponsors... Um, as always, our Top Gun tattooing of number 12, the Harris Arcade in Reading. Um, their website, topguntattoo.co.uk, their number, 0189-968-667. Now, our usual, what we would say is to contact Zach. However, Zach has left Top Gun Tattoo. Ah, oh, what the hell well, happened there? Eh, he's a fucking prick, isn't he? So, anyway, so you'll have to contact the owner... It was my friend, Glenn. So if you would like a discount on your tattoo, so Glenn probably doesn't know much about this because I've only spoken to Zach about it. Um, <laughs> I uh, don't know yet. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, obviously he knows that we do it because it's his yeah. tattoo parlour. But what I'm saying is, is when I mentioned about the sponsorship, he went, oh, just get Zach to do it. Yeah. So yeah. Zach knew all about it. So uh, Glenn probably doesn't. Anyway, so... If you would like a 20% discount of any tattoo, you need to contact the tattoo parlor, speak to Glenn, Glenn Cousin, who is the owner of Top Gun Tattooing, and say that you are an avid listener to the podcast and you need to use the code Hadaway and Shite Man. And if you use that, you will get your uh, 20% discount off your tattoo. And don't forget where look at this i'm forgetting all my i'm forgetting all the really important stuff mm. hold on where are we where are we it must be here we go and remember free yes that's free oh. free neville and lottie tattoos for every single listener and watcher so if you would like a free tattoo that's it 100 free and gratis courtesy of us lads at our Be The Zane Again podcast. All you need to do is contact us at the email address of Be The Zane Again at gmail.com and we will take you into Top Gun Tattooing and we will pay for and film you getting your Neville and Lottie tattoo. So, George, we've had a bit of a break. For, you know, as you know, how how are you feeling about the Neville and Lottie tattoo these days? Oh, yeah, yeah. It looks good. Yeah, yeah. It's still as eager as ever. Right, really? Excellent. Well, also, we very, um, I, I, um, I got a, a fantastic delivery um, from the one and only Mr. Graham Teasdale. Oh, yeah. Mr. Yeah. Teasdale has supplied us with many, 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 many more prizes of oh, original, God. genuine, signed Copy pictures of the uh, the cast in their in various oh, yeah. oh, guises. Good, yeah. We are uh, we. Uh, I actually just this week. So our previous winner of our previous giveaway um, was uh, Mister T from Twitter, and um, I actually just sent his prize out in the week. So oh, nice. uh, last week. So he should be enjoying that right now. I actually did send him two of the fantastic uh, 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 signed, genuine signed copies um, yeah. of the uh, cast as by way of apology for the delay in uh, how long it took. So um, we'll save that one for next one. What's that? I'm just having a quick... Ah, here we go. Right. So what we will do is, why don't we do this? 
big giveaway competition. So the next giveaway competition is in keeping with this Series 3. It is a Series 3 signed, genuine, oh. genuine signed picture copy Coffee. of the stars of the episode. So um, it is the Six and Wyman um, in Arizona. So if you would be like, if you would be interested in winning this genuine signed picture copy, copy. of the boys in Arizona, um, we will be running a new giveaway competition on our social medias. So what you need to do is you need to go to the social media channel. You need to follow the social media channel. So that's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You need to uh, follow the social media channel. You need to like the picture. You need to tag three friends in the picture and share that picture. So on Instagram, you need to share the uh, story. On uh, Twitter, you need to retweet. And on Facebook, you need to share it to your timeline. And uh, we will then choose the relative winner in a few weeks' time. So that is all of the boring stuff out of the way once again. Mm. So, George, here we are. Um, yeah. Once again, episode 28 of the uh, of, of, of our Venus and Pet, which is a series three, episode two, and it is entitled Heavy Metal. So just to recap slightly, um, we were, the last time we were in series one, um, Oz faked his funeral, came back to life, uh, yeah. got the lads together, gave them the idea of taking down the transporter bridge in Middlesbrough, and then uh, uh, punched a drug dealer. And oh, ah, that was good. <laughs> now, not only, not only, in fact, not only are we lucky enough to be here doing this episode, but we also have something very, very special yeah. that we are just about to cut in now. So, this episode, we see the return of Rod, yeah. who is Oz's son. So, the last time we saw Rod was on the quayside, and it was, um, he was... He was on the quayside in Newcastle and um, Oz was putting him onto a bus before he went to Spain. Yeah. And he was a little boy. And he said, yeah. never forget your roots. Everywhere you can, son, you'll always be a Geordie. Yeah. Then... And you and you knew that uh, was a bar across the road or something you used to go in? That's, you know? No, I used to work there. Oh, right, right. I used yeah. to work in the pub just over the road there, yes. So, anyway, we now see the return of Rod, who is played by... None other than the amazing Mark Stobart. Now, Mark Stobart, who plays Rod Osborne, has 30 credits on IMDb. Um, a lot of um, um, stuff that was related to um, the Northeast. Um, so he did a thing, 55 Degrees North, um, Vera, which was one of my mother's favourites. He's also done Is Harry on the Boat, The Silent Skins, Doctors, um, the thing that he's most famous for most recently is he was in Line of Duty, which is obviously... Oh, the, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season three or season four, yeah. Line of Duty. So you should actually go back and watch that. Again, absolutely fantastic. But 
Most recently, the most recent thing on his IMDb, he was also in a film called Muscle. Right. Now, this is one of the most fucked up films Ah. ever, ever. I mean, I suppose misfortune might be the wrong word, but basically there's a friend of mine called Chris. He went, oh, he goes, this film's all set in Newcastle. He goes, it's right up your street. It's about bodybuilders and that in Newcastle and that. And I was like, mm. oh, right, okay. And it's got that Craig Fairbrass in. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, in the Rise of the Foot Soldier films. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big old Craig, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, brilliant. Anyway, you fucking... So you, you, you start watching this film and it just looks like a normal film, right? And it is. And uh, basically it's about this guy who starts... His missus is mugging him off and he starts going to a gym. And then this guy starts like offering to be his personal trainer and that. And then he, the, the, the relationship gets real, real, real close and real weird. And then his wife leaves him and the personal trainer moves into his gaff. And then there's a bit, right, where it's just like a normal film. And then all of a sudden he comes home and there's like a proper pornographic sex party going on. Like, <laughs> like I'm not loving like, this already. <laughs> like not like... You know, like on a normal film, if someone's going to have sex, it's all like, you know, by suggestion, yeah. you know, and like, you know, you might, you, you know, you might see some titties and, and a bit yeah. of, and, and maybe a bit of gash if you're lucky. Right. But like this is the dude walks in and there's one dude stood there with a massive bong on and there's some birds giving them, giving them headers. Oh, and um, like it's a pawn. It's like it goes from being a normal film to be in a hardcore porn. Yeah. Let me just, let me just clarify this. What platform is it available on? (laughs) Mark Stobbard is not involved in the porn bit. Okay. Uh. Mark Stobbard plays a normal character who's friends with a guy who gets involved with a thing and he just meets him down the pub. So that's the, you know, there is, there is no suggestion here that Mark Stobbard is, going and getting himself involved in porn. But he probably watched the scenes being filmed, yeah. Well, he said, you know, there's actually, well, we talk about it in the thing, and, and, and he said, you know, you can imagine him sitting down to watch it with his mother and that. Um, anyway, so I would urge everybody to not only re-watch Line of Duty to see Mark, but also to try and find the, the film Muscle with Mark and Craig Fairbrass in, and uh, it is disturbing to say the least. So, basically, Mark Stobbard was gentlemanly enough to uh, respond to our call-out on Instagram, and um, he was kind enough to give up some of his valuable time, um, uh, you know, to speak with me uh, via Zoom. And so we are now going to cut across to our uh, Mark Stobbard interview um, he, I couldn't, you know what? He was such a sound bloke, right? Like, yeah. we, like we, like I'd only planned on speaking to him for like twenty minutes, half an hour, and I think we, I think we were speaking for about an hour, and yeah. like I could have, I could have just carried on talking to him for, yeah, yeah. for all night, but it got to the point I went, look, you know, you know, he's got a family and kids and and what have you, and um, and yeah, and I mean, just such as I mean, you know, we're about the same age and we're we're from the same sort of area, so you know, it was yeah. you know, we sort of got on quite well, and um, but yeah, I mean, what an absolute absolute sound geezer, 
And uh, yeah, like I said, gave up all of his signs. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, loyal viewers and listeners and watchers of the Albina Zane Again podcast, please, please do not adjust your sets or go anywhere. And please let us have a massive, massive thanks to our special guest, Mr. Mark Stobbard, Rod number two. One. So here we are, our Venus in Again podcast, and we are welcoming to the show the fantastic uh, <coughs> Oz's son, Rod number two, Mr. <laughs> Mark Stobbard. So, Mark, it's I'm so grateful that you have given uh, up your valuable time to have a chat with the podcast. So no first problem. things first, mate, uh, you know, how's, how's it going for you at the moment? Yeah, it's all good. It's it's getting busy. It's getting busier. So, um, yeah, because yeah, I mean, we so we obviously we had this arranged actually technically for yesterday, but you yeah. said that you had an audition crop up. Yeah. So, is that what you're finding at the moment? Is that things are coming in a bit thick and fast at the moment now? Things well, are it's, yeah, it's it's all self tapes. It's um, it's finding somebody to do a self tape with. That's a problem. And my wife's from Cardiff, so asking her to do a New York accent is something that's beyond, <laughs> beyond the realms. So it's it's um it's last minute getting somebody to getting a mate to do a Zoom chat, record while you're doing a Zoom chat, and because it was so last minute, I can't learn the lines. So you get you, it's amazing. I mean the technology now is just ridiculous. So I mean I know you shouldn't do this for an audition, but um on pages on iPhone, yeah, that you you if you put if you put the script into pages, you can get a like um presenter mode where yeah. the words scroll. All right, so you can just oh, read. Yeah, oh yeah. So it saves you so much time if you're in a rush, which I was. And yeah. thank you for um, rearranging for tonight. Yeah, oh, absolutely, no problem whatsoever. So, um, you know, obviously, what we've tried to do is um, we've, uh, you know, uh, we are a, a lowly, you know, small little podcast. You know, our numbers yeah. are in the hundreds, not in the thousands. Um, but we've got, you know, so far we've had um, Stan here who was the writer on what, seasons one and two. Yeah. Um, and we, uh, I don't know if you saw at all, um, that uh, four weeks ago, I was back in Newcastle and we had the beautiful Leslie St. John, who was Vicky yeah. in season yes. two. And she yes. came down to the cop, uh, not the Copthorn, um, the, um, what was that? What's the hotel down on the quayside? Uh, the, uh, I can't it remember. is the it is well. The cop thorns no, just you know you know, you know the one where it used to be Martha's on the quayside, the one that's on the side. Oh, I it'll come to me. Oh, come. I've been it? there loads of times. It's like built into the side of the cliff, and the lift that like the the receptions on the top floor. So you go in the in the front, you've got the lift that goes up and takes you to the top floor. Where and if you go around the back, where the entrance is, where the high level bridge is. I can't think what it is. Oh, it'll come to me. And say, anyway, so she. <laughs> Yeah. We, what we did is I spoke the hotel and they allocated us a quiet corner of the hotel because I, I, I sent her a message like you, I did a you on Instagram and I said, look, you know, I said, we can do it on Zoom. And she went, well, I'm not very good with technology. I went, I'll come and meet you if you want. She went, that'll do. <laughs> and then, yeah, she was, re I'll tell you what, absolutely fantastic. She was, came down, spent and spent time with us and that. So, um, and, and, and every episode that we've had, like a special guest on, the viewing yeah. figures have gone right through the roof. So we're expecting yeah. big things from you, mate. No pressure. Yeah, so it's going to yeah. drop now, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, uh, first things first, Mark, this may certainly not one. I know it's rude to potentially ask a young lady our age, but how old are you? Because it, it's difficult to find that information online. Is it? Yeah. Is it really? We've got no Wikipedia page. 
And so, your, your bio on IMDb does not reveal. And I found one website that said you're 35 to 40. 35 to 40? Well, no, I'm out of that now. 43, aren't I? 43, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, below me. I'm 44. I'm 45 next month. So, yeah. You were, you were born in Stockton. Stockton on Tate. Yeah, which, you know, as a Geordie, we'll not talk about that. But I'll, um, I'll tell you about So, when, when I, um, when I, uh, I remember being on, I mean, this is before social media. So, obviously, I did our readers in pet. And I don't know whether I got cast because I was, I wasn't a Geordie, because obviously he was from Spennymoor. Yeah. So, I mean, I was near as damn it with with my with my Geordie accent at the time when I was twenty one. It was a bit more more Macam than it was Geordie. But I remember reading some reviews just saying his Geordie accent's terrible. <laughs> and but I knew that I was from Spennymoor, and I just thought, and I took it as a real. I was like, oh, oh my god, maybe I'm just an understandable Geordie for the rest of the country. Oh, Somebody yeah. from Middlesbrough is an understandable Geordie. So uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was a it was a funny thing to sort of play that part, but um, be cast because I was maybe closer to where he grew up in the yeah. in in the world of Owida's impact than actually being Oz's son from Newcastle. So. Well, I mean, you see, funny, funny you should say that. So, um, I'm in the south. I'm assuming you're in the south as well. Yeah? I am. Yes. I okay, am. and so you know, there's guys I like. Everyone I work with is a southerner, basically. Yeah. And um, there was a guy today in the office. He was speaking to a client from Middlesbrough. And he's put the phone down. He's gone. He's he talks like you, Andy. I was like, he fucking doesn't. <laughs> exactly. That's, a, that's exactly it. It's like I'm berated for my Geordie accent because I'm Teesside. <laughs> but you sort of go, well, no. There's only a small amount of people who know the difference. The rest of the world <laughs> doesn't give a shit. Yeah. So. And yeah, and I'm fully aware how much I do or don't sound like a Geordie. Yeah, I know. So yeah. So I mean. The, look, I mean, the, there's a load of stuff that you've done. I, like, we're not going to go through every single thing, but there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about before we actually get onto the to the meat and potatoes of our Beaters yeah. Pet. So, um, after our Beaters Pet, you did Is Harry on the Boat? Jesus I believe, Christ. I, mean, I remember that, the film. I, I never saw the TV series, but the film. Was oh, that geez. about, like, holiday reps and that all getting it was. It was all... I mean, I, you know, I have no qualms in saying it was basically just teenage tits. It was awful. <laughs> oh my god and just it was a straight offer it i mean because alvidas impet was my first telly job yeah and i got alvidas impet basically based on the fact that i i could sing i mean that was i, I went to drama school to sing that yeah. was first and foremost so when i went in and read and then we got called back we all got called back and you know it was quite a few of my mates and lads that i, I went on to work with in different geordie dramas new uh, northeast dramas and we were all, there was about five or six of us that went in for the recall. Um, Tom Ellis, who was, who's now Lucifer and God knows what. Um, Darren Morfitt, who did Dog Soldiers, 55 Degrees North. I mean, we were all back for a recall for our videos impact. And it all started from, um, yeah, from, from me being able to sing. So when I went in and did a, my dusty turn, you know, we all had to learn the look of love. And uh, and that's yeah I got I got offered it after that so so yeah so then we were so, oh, we will come back to that later um, so yeah so I'd done that and you know the viewing figures on Alvidas in Pet were you, you think now for a BBC drama it was like eighteen million nineteen million whatever it was I mean it's insane the exposure yeah, yeah, yeah. you got um, 
and then to for the next telly job to get was to do a Sky One drama with basically twelve just, people watching it. Oh, um, and it was just. I mean, I, you know, at the time I wasn't, uh, yeah, I wasn't working out or anything like that. You, I mean, did anybody work out in the <laughs> early two thousands? Not really, not like they do now. And it was just excruciating just after do scenes on the beach. Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So, yeah. So let's let's move on from this area. <laughs> and uh, um, so you mentioned 55 Degrees North. I confess yeah. not watched it, but you did. How uh, dare you? There's a box set out. Two season 40, box set. 14 episodes of that. Yeah, I will. Yeah. For that. However, the one thing that my mother. So, Matt, right. So I've got to say. My mother watches the podcast religiously, so big yep. shout out to my mother. But my mother is a huge fan of yours, and oh, that's nice she um, the she is a huge fan of yours and a huge fan of Vera. And like it's on, it's like it's on like one of them Sky channels, like every morning at like ten o'clock. Yeah. And like every time I'm staying at my mother's house in Newcastle, she's like, watch Vera, watch Vera. I'm like, I want to watch it, mother. And then she's like, well, yeah, Mark, Mark's on it. You've got to watch it because you're going to speak to him and all that. So I spoke to her today and I said, look, I'm speaking to Mark. And she went, oh, well, ask him about Vera. So you've got to tell me, mother, about Vera. Um, I was, I originally went in to play the, I was up for the, the Herb sidekick. Um, and yeah, we got called back a couple of times for that. Didn't get it. David Leon got it. And um, and so season after season, because um, what was the reason? There was reasons why I couldn't get seen for it. I was doing something else that was that conflicted with it. Just sort of being a police drama. What the hell was it? Maybe it was the silence. So anyway, year after year, it, it didn't quite work. And then I got offered the, the part in whichever series it was. Um, and yeah, did that on a fish key, stinking on a fish key. That's what she said. She said you were stood on a, stood on a fish key. Yeah, just the sad thing, on a more serious note, the sad thing about, I mean, you look at the, the drama that's been set in the Northeast over the years, you know, it started with Alvida's Impet, Spender, Crocodile Shoes, and then you had things like Our Friends in the North. I did two series on 55 Degrees North. We had, there was a fire drama based in Middlesbrough. What was it called? I can't remember what that was called. But anyway, George Gently, I, was, I did George Gently. Then Vera got cast in, I think it was about 2007, maybe. So that was when it came. That was the last drama that was set in the Northeast. Really? And we're talking 14 years ago. That is a long time. And it's bollocks. Yeah. Nobody's, I mean, there's, there's nothing commissioned that's, that's based and set in the Northeast other than this crime drama that's really popular that has done, I mean, what's it on now? Series 9, Series 10. And it's, oh, yeah. it's almost yeah. like that, that is the only thing now that is flying the flag for Northeast drama. And it's um, it's well, poor. I don't know. Have you ever considered getting a pen out and trying to write something? I have, yeah. And I've spoken to. I mean, there's a couple of journalists I know that that have got stories to tell from the northeast. It's getting the time. I mean, yeah. It's it's something I'm doing. It's something I've I've got to do. But I've got three kids under seven. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mentioned it. It said online you've got three kids, and you mentioned the kids. You know, you, you said, "Oh, I've got to get the kids to bed before we do it, before we speak." Yeah, so that was three the plan. kids under seven. I mean, like, I've got one kid. He's just turned eighteen, so like he's a fully grown geezer now. He's, you know, it's dead easy. But yeah, even what having one was bad enough. Like, like having three, that's got to be hard work. Yeah, but I bet it's easier for me to get my three to bed than it is yours. <laughs> <laughs> but I, actually, 
I'm lucky in the fact that he's one of these kids that you like all, all he does is sit in his bedroom and play video games. It's like yeah. harder to get him out of his bedroom than it is to get him in there. So yeah, I'm 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 very, very lucky that he's not one of these kids that's out on street corners and you know getting into trouble and, and yeah. he's absolutely good as gold. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very, very lucky there. So then I mean, you know, you mentioned about viewing figures and you mentioned about popular drama. You were basically on the most popular thing that's been on TV recently, which was the Line yeah. of Duty. So, yeah, so how, tell us a little bit about that. How did that come about? Um, yeah, I mean, it, like you say, it is the closest, it's the closest thing, viewing figure-wise, to the old days when you had four channels, five channels. I think yeah. Channel 5 had just come out when Avina's Impact came out. But, I mean, even still, you, I mean, obviously you've got the catch-up figures with iPlayer and, and what have you, but for drama that is just um, a, a one episode a week drama, I think it was, I think the last series got about 13, 14 million, which is, you know, I mean, yeah. you look at the viewing figures for England, the viewing figures for the England games during the European Championships weren't as high as what Avidis Impact was getting when it came Yeah. BBC One, which is insane. You think back to that. I mean, I remember getting on the the tube after the episode of the first, well, the episode that you're on now. What episode is it? Episode two of episode two, yeah. Where you, yeah. Where you, you so you, you meet them in the bar, and then yeah. and then that's it until the, then the next episode. Yeah, when he comes to the yeah. club and sees you singing. So yeah, I remember getting on the tube in London after that aired, and it was. Well, people staring at you like a oh unicorn. Oh my gosh, that. you wouldn't believe it. You, I mean, you wouldn't believe it. Now you can do any kind of drama. You know, I, you don't get looks like that for, from doing Line of Duty or any drama that was on. I remember I did a series called The Silence where I was I was playing the murderer, and it, after the last episode, and that had got decent figures, and it was revealed that it was me after a four part or whatever, and that got a couple of looks, but nothing like Avida's impact. You know, the double takes you got because it was so big. Yeah. And people forget how big all those dramas were at that time, you know, up to, up to about 2003, 2004. If you got a, a hit in this country, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. It was I mean, I suppose it was, it was maybe a little bit easier for you because, uh, I mean, you, you, you had done some acting before that. But like yeah. I remember, I remember I've um, recently read Jimmy Neal's autobiography, and yeah. he essentially come from absolutely nothing, and you know he's 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 never acted before. He, he sang in a band or whatever. He's never acted before. He's landed the job in Obi's Impet, and they've gone and filmed it all before yeah. it was aired. So it's not like he was filming week to week. So they filmed all thirteen episodes, and then he's just gone back to his normal life. He didn't really get paid that much money. And no. then the first episode aired and every single person alive in this country watched it. Yeah. And he just got up the next day and like went down the shops for a pint of milk. And it was just <laughs> like a different planet for him. Yeah. And he said he found it, you know, he found it quite hard to deal with. So, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, what it's like. To, I mean, like, I'm, I'm a bit like, I'm one of them people that like, if people start looking at me, I'm like, what are you, what are you fucking looking yeah, at? You know what exactly. I mean? I and then... Um, and you know to like to get to like to get in places and, and you know to get on to get to get onto the tube and just strangers are staring at yeah. you. It is. Yeah, it's a it's an it's an it's a funny awkward feeling because you do get people look at you like they know you. I remember when I met my wife in two thousand and seven. We'd got I'd gone. I'm a Liverpool fan, 
And so I, it was the first time I'd gone back home to see, to meet her family and meet her mates. And we were sat in a, in a pub. It was Liverpool United. And um, it was the half, it was half time. And we sat with her mates and an advert came on and it was, um, it was a WKD advert. And he said, oh my God, I love this advert. This is, this and advert. you were in it. And he watches it and he looks around and he says to me, I love that. And he stopped and he went, it's you. Is that you? Like, yeah, yeah, it is. And my wife isn't theatrical. She's not in the business at all. And she was dying. She's like, oh my God, I don't believe this. I can't. I, 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 do I have to sit and listen to you talk about what it's like to film an advert? I can't bear this. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's a, it is a bit embarrassing because you, it's an ex- ex- expectation of what people think you're going to mm. be like. You know, are you going to be like the person that they last saw on TV? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Mm. But it doesn't happen as much as... Well, it's now. like, yeah, I mean, like, because people, are, you know, you're playing a character, and, you know, 99% of the time you're playing a character and people assume yeah. that you are the character. And, and, and so, you know, it, it's coming up... Well, yes. Did people come up to you and call you Rod? Or did they... I mean, the, it was... In 2002, 2000, what year was it? Three or three or four, four or five, when I was doing 55 Degrees North. I mean, the amount of people that came up to us and talked about Rod and asked if I was gay, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, at the time, I mean, it was a different world we lived in. And it was only, what, not even 20 years ago, but it was a different time yeah. to be playing right. that kind of character on telly. I mean, you know, I wouldn't even get the chance to play it now, I, I don't think, because opportunities are given to everybody from every walk of life. And they would be seen to be casting somebody who was, yeah, in, yeah, who yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Um, so you'd be, you'd would, be probably, seen as being stealing a role from someone. Well, yeah, I w- it would be. Um, it's re- how funny is this? Is that there was a job I put myself on tape for this week, and the episode starts with a drag queen singing um, "The Look of Love," oh. <laughs> and it's a dusty spring. So I'm, I'm up for a part in this drama. And it starts with a uh, uh, drag act doing Look of Love by Dusty Springfield. What, is, that the part, is that the part you're up for? Or are you up no, 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 it's not. But can you imagine? I was going to it's talk about getting typecast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think that's something that you potentially want to avoid, don't you, being typecast yeah, as the drag act? I think there's, a, there's, a, there's only call in one, in one um, role in your life to play Dusty Springfield. <laughs> <laughs> and so and then the one of the, the most recent thing on your IMDB yeah I have to say I mean I know you actually played probably one of the only normal people in the entire film but yeah. that muscle film is fucking disturbing it's amazing isn't it like my mate, like I, yeah well I, I was I, I, it I mean, it shocked like the like shit it. out of me because I didn't know, right? What it is, is there's a mate of mine lives down the road, Chris, like one of my best pals, right? And he's <laughs> and he's like, we've, you know, I've got one of them apps on the fire stick you can watch films on, right? Yeah. And so yeah. he's got the app and I've got the app and he's, he's rang me up. He goes, listen, there's a film on the fire stick. He goes, it's set in Newcastle. You need to watch it. And I'm like, that sounds brilliant. And I'm just thinking, no, it's a Geordie film, you know? Yeah. And so I've, I've turned it on, and then, you know, you're just watching, oh, yeah, yeah, Craig Fairbrass, what's he doing in Newcastle? And da 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 And then all of a sudden, it just goes real fucking wonky with, like, basically drug-fueled porn. And you're yeah. like, 
I was like this, sitting watching it going, what? So, I mean, like... Can you imagine sitting watching it with your mum? <laughs> no, not really. Definitely not. <laughs> no, I, Mother, I, I, don't I, I watch it. Her, I told her not Yeah, I told her not to watch it. Yeah, um, that was... Uh, yeah, I mean, as soon as it was filming in Newcastle, I mean, it was through a friend of a friend that, who was already on board it, on the film and I got introduced to Gerard, the director. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's dark. It's oh, so dark. The darkest, the darkest. It really is. But it, it hits a nerve of, of what the, the pressure that certain men are under. Yeah. 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 The, you know, the way we've got to sort of live our lives and the, and the pressure to be that person in a club or, you know, to be standing up and thinking you're Billy big bollocks when, actually behind it all we're all a little bit vulnerable and if you choose to do that you don't know where it's going to take you mm. yeah very much um so. but it's a yeah it's a it's a good i mean you know for, for i mean it for the first half of it but to watch it outside of what i'm i, I doing it i think it's it's amazing and the, yeah. the score is brilliant as well the, the soundtrack if you watch it in a in a cinema the score is just mm. By the, the, I mean, it's Gerard's brother who is part of the, the, yeah. um, the band. And he, yeah, it, the score of it is just insane. Well, I mean, that Craig Fairbrass, I'm actually a big fan of his as well. He's, um, I'm a big fan of those Rise of the Foot Soldier movies and the new, yeah. one, the new one's just about to come out. It's like coming out today or tomorrow or something yeah. like that. And uh, yeah, so uh, I can't wait to go and see that. So, um, was I mean, obviously you didn't, I don't think you actually had any scenes with him. Did you, did, did you, did you pally up with him at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I saw him, I mean, it was it all, we had quite a few meetings beforehand just discussing the film and, you know, a film like that needs, it, it's so difficult to get a film like that made because it's an independent film that's looking for backing. So things get put off until all the money's there to get the shoot done. And, and you, you know, you look at a, a drama like, um, let's say nowadays, a drama like Line of Duty would be taking five weeks maybe to do two eps six weeks to do two episodes, two hour episodes. And you think you're doing two hours worth of filming for a, yeah. for a film like Muscle in two weeks, yeah, two, three weeks tops. So, and everything's got to be so tight because every, every penny is important. Um, so for independent films to be made, you know, hats off to everybody involved in getting those yeah. things to the ground because well, it's a battle. I mean, you mentioned there about, you know, three, you know, six weeks to make a couple of episodes. You know, I, uh, the, the, the closest I've ever come to any kind of, you know, stuff like that is I was once an extra on Casualty, right? And it was basically, I'm, I'm quite involved in combat sports. So um, yeah. I, um, you know, for me sins, I do a lot of stuff at boxing events and MMA events and that with the microphone, like in the blue corner, you know, like I do the, the announcing at the, the thing. So this You're is an American accent. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't put a cheesy. I do have a bit of a. I do have a bit of a cheesy accent, but it's not American. Do you, exa do you exaggerate your Jordy? No, no, no. I actually come away from it because everything I nearly everything I do is down south. So right, so, right. Um, okay. yeah. But um, so that's how I sort of got into podcasting, really. So I yeah. started doing a podcast about MMA and, and combat sports, and then um, I used there was my favorite TV show is The Sopranos, and there was a there was a podcast called Talking Sopranos. And, and then I realised that there was all this genre of podcasts 
that were all like rewatch podcasts about TV shows. Yes. And so I thought, well, what's my other TV, TV show? Albina's in pet. So I looked up for an Albina's in pet podcast and there just wasn't one. And I was like, and I, so I rang my mate up, who's also a massive fan. And I went, right, let's, let's do one. And he went, yeah, all right. And so this is hence the reason we're here yeah. now. But so once there was a, an episode of Casualty that was about an MMA, like a, an MMA fight, I get hurt. And so it was all like my mate, they rented my mate's cage and we all went down and we put the cage up and we all got a job as extras on there. And we were there from eight o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night, 12 hours. And there was like us and all the other extras. And like in this bit, it was, it, it was, it was supposed to be a nightclub, but it was actually inside this old church in Bristol. So like yeah. inside this church in Bristol for 12 hours, there was like a hundred people inside this building for 12 hours. And when it went like, and obviously I was right in front of the camera all day. Yeah. And like, with like, I'm wait, like I'm at work that day when the episode's coming out going, yeah, wait till you see the episode tonight. And, and I swear to God, you got the back of my head for half a second, right? And they, like, that 12 hours for 100 people made two minutes of telly. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus Christ. And you know what? It sort of spoiled, like, watch, like watching for the next six months, every time I watched something on the telly, all I could see was behind the camera because now yeah. I knew what was going on. Yeah. So how do you cope with that? Because, like I say, I only did it once for a day. And it fucked up my telly watching for nearly six months. Like, yeah. how do you cope with watching the oh, telly? Yeah. You know how the how the sausage is made, kind of thing. Yeah, it is hard. I mean, it's harder. I guess it's it's harder for my wife watching a drama with me because I'm going, yeah, but this, yeah, but that, yeah, but. This. So she goes, can't we just watch it? And I go, well, no, not really. We can't because I'm going to pull it to pieces. Um, yeah, you, you know how long all these. Things, I mean, any kind of set piece, you know how long something like that's taken. Um, it, it's difficult to to. I mean, you know, watching people do accents on telly, watching knowing, knowing mates as you do do their dramas, it's hard to watch people that you know because you know you know them. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's yeah, trying yeah. to disassociate yourself from them as people playing different people because you go, are oh, they mugging? Or it's hard to get into somebody because you know someone. Yeah. You know, it's hard to watch myself. My wife just says certain things to do. She goes, yeah, that's just you being you. And I'm going, I put my heart and soul in that. How dare you? I, I, I had to study for years to be like that. <laughs> All, you know, becoming your Shakespearean lovey darling. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, yeah, it, it it's hard to watch certain dramas because you're an actor, because you're always looking at it through a different lens. Yeah. And so let's go back. That's the, the reason that we're talking. So um, as you That's mentioned, I'll be the same pet. Um, series three, it was your first TV job. So just, you know, very briefly, what, what had you done before I'll be the same pet? Was it like theatre or? So I, yeah, I came out of drama school in 99, did. And where um, was that? Which drama school did you go I went to? to local? No, I went to Mountview in London. All right. So, yeah, I left, I left home at 18, went down to London. Did three years in a doing acting a musical theatre. So I went into a me. I went to the. I went and did language of the wardrobe at the RSC, and I played a tree. I mean, you know, when somebody says this, the, the, you know, the spear carrier third from the left. I, you know, to play a tree, and just stand there on stilts with your arms out, it's pathetic. 
Job, job, job mark. Right. Job's and job. darling, it was at the RSC. I mean, please. I've been on stage at the RSC. Yeah. Um, and I was covering one of the kids that were in language wardrobe. So then I left that, did a, did a musical in the West End. And then it was through, a, I had, a, I was seeing a girl at the time who was doing quite a lot of drama on telly. And it was only through her that said, did you know the remake of Alvida's in Pet? I went, what? This, I mean, this is, this is my family's life. You know, well, that, my... was, that, that was going to be the, that was going to be a question. You've just, you've, I'm going to interrupt there for a second because that. So again, I you're you basically mean you are more or less the same age. We're from the same place. So what? How big of a part of your childhood was it? Because it mean, was huge. huge. It was huge in my family. But you know what? Alvida's in Pet in my house was watched without me, whereas Spender oh. was. Oh, I mean, I knew more about Spender because of the Cosworth. The Cosworth. Than, yeah. yeah. The white. The, the bit of a mullet. The, Bit of a yeah. mullet, go <laughs> that, that was what my dad... My dad was in a spender more than anything. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, we knew about Alvida's Impet, and, it, you know, the song was um, uh, was played in the car all the time. We had it on a tape. So, um, I was obviously aware of it, very aware of it, um, but it wasn't... It wasn't religious, yeah. like lots of other families but I knew what it was and I knew my dad loved it and I knew my mum really enjoyed it as well so when it came up um she said you know the casting it getting I've got a mate that's up for Oz's son I was like I mean if I can't get Oz's son with this nose and I'm fucked you know this is it so I got in touch with my agent and I said uh, I said apparently the, the I really said the casting the, the, they're looking for Jimmy Nail's son and she said, well, let me let, leave it with me. I'll, I'll get in touch with them. And I said, just tell them I've got a big nose. I mean, it does look it from the spotlight photo, but just tell them I've got a big nose. Um, I mean, I might only be five foot seven, but, you know, if they cut me from my shoulders, I'm the double of him. So anyway, I get back and I, I get the audition. So I go in and read, and it was really funny. Paul Seed, the director, and, oh, God, it was Jill, Jill Trevelyk. It might have been Jill Trevelyk that cast it. I can't remember. And I remember doing it, and I, I remember looking up from doing the scene and just seeing them two look at each other, and I thought, you know I look like him. You know I look like him. Um, but you know I'm short. But just forget about it. Maybe, maybe my mum was short. I can't remember. So, uh, so then I got, as I said before, I got called back and did. we had to go into a studio to all sing a song, and that's when I, I saw Tom, and I knew Tom was up for it. And in... It's funny because in, and I knew this when we were filming, but Jimmy got, I think his sister got ill while they were casting it. And he was supposed to have last refusal on, he was supposed to have first refusal, not last first refusal, but he had say on who was cast as his son. And I think because I wasn't as tall, I think he was, was more, his preference was to have Tom. But I can't remember that. But when you read his autobiography, he does say about he had to go away and he didn't have as much input as he should have done on certain things for the job. So I remember going, so I'd done the, the recall. I got offered the job and I told a couple of mates who've done quite a bit of telling. I said, I've been offered it. And they went, fuck off, have you? I went, I have. And I think there's a couple of them just going, I can't, what do you mean? It's your first, this is your first job. You can't get this on your first job. 
I just think, well, maybe it's my voice, darling. Maybe it's just my voice. And um, so I got offered it and I turned up with the read through. And it was so, 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 so at what point during the audition process did they tell yeah. you you would have to drag it up? It was in the script. Oh, so, right. so you'd it, so you read it, so you knew what yeah. you meant to. Yeah, I and I I kept all the scripts. I give it to somebody, somebody who does a I'll be the same pet who's got the website. I don't know who it is, but I, I kept all my scripts, I just give them to him. I could have, you know, I could have shown you them, but I don't have them anymore. Um and I got I did the I did this the singing and I it was about a week later and I got you got the phone call just saying yeah you, you're doing it um we're gonna have to have fittings I was gonna because... say where did the dress come from <laughs> so I go in for fittings and they're taking me they're taking my measurements I'm going good luck to you lot getting a dress to fit me because I've got 25 inch thighs and 30 inch side leg I mean if you can find a dress to fit me I'll keep it because there'll never be a dress to fit me like that one that you've got. A beautiful little lilac dress. And I, I also remember that my shoes were from, I mean, again, different times. Nothing was accessible for pe- for men that dressed as women. So you had proper transvestite shops. And I, and I, and it's, I, I st- why don't they cater for men that want to dress as women? Absolutely brilliant. But why don't you cater for them and give them decent shoes to wear? Because... They're shit. Well, shit patent shoes. We went on a stag, we went on a stag do once and we all had to dress up as schoolgirls. And yeah. this was so this was a, like before my kid was born. So yeah, probably nigh on 20 years ago. Uh, no, it might be not after anyway. But yeah, I remember that I was looking for a size 11 high heel, right? And um, and uh, and my mate rang me up one day and went, Evans, the shop for the larger lady. <laughs> and I was like, Wait, it's like you might as well be in a boot for what uh, for, for the femininity in a in a shoe. At that time, they, they weren't catering, so they brought out these shoes, and I was like, Jesus Christ! They said you're gonna have to practice walking backwards. So I spent I spent a fair bit of time walking backwards as though I would be from the microphone, and it was yeah, it was pretty tough. So so yeah, I had all the fittings. It was amazing because at the time they used to spend money on costume like yeah. you wouldn't believe. Uh, do you remember Duffer St. George? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just spent a fortune on, on all my costumes. Yeah, I remember that was the brand you were wearing when you were... Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, I and I had everything. Myth. I had stuff from Duffer St. George. I had stuff from... If I tell you what, if you want it, if uh, do, you, do, you have, do you have any collectibles from... Um, I, I think I've still got the T-shirt. I've still got the shirt, the T-shirt that I wore in our videos in Oh, Really? Yeah, well, you I'll tell it. you what, right? Like, if you want, if you if you if you're happy to give it away, we'll offer it up for a prize on the podcast. Right. Let me double check that I've still got it. Because what we normally give away is like these photocopied signed pictures. Like that's right. the normal prize yeah. for the podcast. So, like an actual genuine prop. Where and uh, and we it? also offer free. We also offer free Neville and Lottie tattoos. <laughs> so there's uh, my mate's a tattooist. So I said, if anyone gets a Neville and Lottie tattoo, I'll pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've, I've it's the red one with the white the white um, pockets and I know it's been kicking about and I don't know whether I got rid of it or whether I've tucked it away because to give it away let me check well yeah just anyway let me know anyway, like drop us an email and let us know what it is I will so yeah so so you, so you got the job you know got you're job, getting got your costume got a lovely clobber and then 
So my first day on, the first bit I shot was the fight outside. All right, yeah, so it went backwards. Oh, no, no, let me take you back. I'll take you back. So the the read-through, I remember turning up the read-through and I was so green. And I said to Jimmy, I went up to Jimmy and I went, hiya, Dad. I mean, can you imagine? Oh, God. Like, just not knowing any etiquette. You know, everybody sat around. You can imagine the names that sat around that table. Yeah, Timothy Spall and, you know. Yeah, and Kevin Waitley, Tim Tim Ely. And I've gone up to Jimmy and just went, hiya, Dad. And he's gone, you all right? Yeah. I went, yeah, I'm, I'm Mark, I'm playing your son. And they came up to me, and so obviously that's the first time I've met him. And um, the costume department came up to me afterwards and said, we've spoken to Jimmy, would you be happy wearing lifts in your shoes? I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> now, if somebody said to me that to me now, I'd be like, "Why? What's wrong with me being the height I am?" But at the time, you know, I got it. I just went, "Yeah, I'll wear, I'll wear whatever, whatever I want." So I don't know whether that was an issue, whether he'd gone. Look, I didn't choose Mark to play my son, um, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, I mean, I get, I, yeah, I, that's nothing against Jimmy. I get on really well with Jimmy. I've worked with him a couple of times since, and um, so I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll wear whatever I want." So. We then turn up on set. I don't know where it was. I, I often get asked where it was shot. And I'm sure it was in, it was in Surrey, I think. I can't remember what the location was where we shot it. But um, yeah, the first thing I did was the the little fight scene where I give him a one-two, and um, and then it was the the next bit that I did. So it was. I mean, I only had three days filming on it. Yeah. But that's what it was. One of the great. It's one of the great lines, isn't it? Where he goes, "Nice left hook." And you just yeah. go, I'm not bad for a puffer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one. And the other one that Kevin says when he's in the club and he goes, he's good, isn't she? That is that is great. That's one of the a great line as um, well. Well, and again, one of my, the, uh, uh, like, one of my all-time favourites is, uh, uh, like, when they're talking about you, you're not there. It's when they're in the, when they're in the minibus on the way back. And he goes, there's never been a huckle in the Osborne family. And that's a proper Geordie word. Like, there's nowhere else to use the word huckle for a gay person. Yeah. Never been a huckle in the Geordie fam- in the Osborne family. And then he uses the best line ever. He goes, it's always been the tunnel, not the funnel. Yeah. As yeah, well, yeah I was yeah. watching it the other night, and it, I, I swear to God, I was cracking up at it the other night. You wouldn't, But you wouldn't get away with that now, would oh, you? Oh, he couldn't. Yeah, no, no way. No way. No. Because they think there's an intent there, but... At the time, it was yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard to um, sort of review it in the but yeah. I mean, it still mm. makes me laugh. Um, so I remember being on set, and it was so. We the, it was shot on the underpass of the A forty one, I think. So under Ladbroke Grove is where we shot it. Oh, right, that's like yeah, north northwest London, like sort of west northwest London. Yes, yeah. yeah, so we were in north and. I remember having to dress up and get the gear on, and we'd all had we already recorded the song. No, I had to sing it live, and we re, and we dubbed the song afterwards. I think, yeah, we did. We dubbed so the. Well, I sang it live, obviously because I sing, and then because of sound, you had to. We had to record it post. Um, and, and Jim, Jimmy came down, and I mean. Jimmy's musicality 
is phenomenal. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a master, isn't he? It's, it's taken for granted. Well, it's not taken for granted. He doesn't get the respect he deserves for his musical ear. He's got, he's pitch perfect. He can tell you whatever note you're singing and tell you what it is and what you should do. And he changed the way, you know, I came from a musical theatre background, so it was a lot of warbling, it was a lot of contemporary opera. And he took, stripped it away a bit and just said, look, stop pushing each note to the end. Stop, you know, just, just bring it back a little bit. Um, and we, we sat in the recording studio and, and recorded the songs to fit, um, to fit what, what I'd already recorded um, live. Um, so anyway, yeah, I got up, I put all the gear on and they told me that there was a set full of extras, but they were, they were all sort of in the, in the, the game of sort of performing as drag queens or performing in any kind of, of singing, but it was, it was a predominantly a, a gay club and they'd, yeah. they'd got, they'd got extras in from that, from that sort of background and they told me that they'd got a couple of, they were looking for a couple of um, pre-operation uh, transvestites and a couple was, of the, the barmaid, like the barmaid, well, with yeah, the Scottish yeah. accent. And yeah, he, went, it's never too late, love. <laughs> yeah, and so everybody that was in that scene was of the background of the character I was playing. So I basically I shit myself. Yeah, well, that's I you're going to be judged, aren't you? Yeah, you know, and that was it. it. I was being. It wasn't like I was going out in front of lads that were from my background that played football all the way through their teens that were from somewhere like Teesside. You know, it was none of that because I was from the area and all my mates from home loved it. They thought it was amazing when it came out and there was nobody taking a piss. It was like, this is fucking amazing. Well, you, I mean, from someone that, I mean, I am, I'm one of them people, like I am the least musical man alive. I can't sing. I can't play a musical instrument. I couldn't play a triangle in tune me. I'm absolutely tone deaf. And like, I've got, you know, I would be one of them people on the X Factor that they bring back in the last series to like, go <laughs> yeah. on at, you know, I'm terrible. Like, I know, I know I'm bad. You know, I, like, I know I can't sing. So, you know, for someone like I, you know, I, I've got a lot of respect for anybody that can sing, you know, yeah. because I just can't do it. It doesn't matter, like, doesn't matter how much I practiced, I'd never be able to do it. And, you know, not only that though, for you to actually sing, a, a woman's part and a woman's song is yeah. even more difficult. So, you know, full well, it, and it and it and it was because I, you know, as I say, I shit myself and I came out and I just said, I can't, I can't do it. I, I, I can't come out because I've been judged walking in this stuff that everybody out there can do. And you came out and there's there's so many people watching and you know they were all asked, they were all told to, to do what they were doing, but I came out and they're all looking at me like that. <laughs> I'm like fuck and I, I said to the director no I'm, I'm struggling so they got Jimmy down and Jimmy said look it's alright you know you've got this job because you, you were the best person to get the job and it, you know give us a pep talk I look back now and I'm, I absolutely die you know the thought of speaking to Paul C the director and going I mean my first job can you remember when I just <laughs> froze before we shot it and yet Jimmy was there, he came behind, because it was like doing a theatre performance in it. Yeah, in yeah, sense, yeah, because yeah. the curtain was closed and I had to come out through yeah, the curtain yeah. and in front of me, all these people are going, well, he's not as good as me, is he? <laughs> and that's how I felt. They weren't necessarily doing that, but that's how I felt because it, I, as an actor, I guess you, 
you judge yourself more than anybody. I, I, that's I do because I judge other people, I guess. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really panicking. And so he came down and gave us a pep talk, went out, and then I got used to it and doing the arms. And I mean, because I've done quite a bit of work on watching Dusty and stuff. But um, also, also, don't you think that maybe you weren't supposed, you know, not not putting your performance down, but do you think maybe you weren't supposed to be that good? You know, if you're a good drag artist, you're not going to be performing in Spennymore. You know, no, if you're a good drag not. artist, you'll be somewhere good. Not maybe in, that's why they cast not me. Not a club in Spenny. Maybe that's why they cast me because I'll tell you what, I give it my best. <laughs> I give it everything I got, and maybe they went, yeah, his best is just. It's just spenny It's just what we want. It's just what we want. <laughs> <You bastard. laughs> um, so maybe, yeah, rods are the... Oh, do you know what the other thing I did? I mean, this is ex... This is the, you know, the the naivety and just the, the confidence of youth. So after that series had shot, we, you, 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 everybody gets a breakdown of, um, of, of everybody's agent or email addresses at the time. I don't think you'd get it as much now. But I remember emailing Ian Lafreni and Dick Clement afterwards, just going, now I know it's going to Thailand. What better than to take Rod out there and to do a bit of his drag for the Lady Boys? And Did you get a reply? Yeah. Um, Sadly, Mark, that's a really good idea, but we've already got it written um and uh and there's not got any scope for that at the moment but all the best for the future <laughs> i was like yeah i mean the thought of doing that now to a writer how's about you include me for another series well if <laughs> well if you want to get them if you want to get them back send me their email addresses and let me pester them to get them on here <laughs> yeah i would god if i could find that all that paperwork um but yeah, can you imagine doing that now god well, I mean, I still think it's a good idea. Well, Maybe I should have got to see the lady. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? I mean, that's life. Uh, so we, we, I remember being doing bits of that and uh, and then just being sat with them all outside, you know, because quite a few were there. Pat was there, Jimmy, Tim, Kevin. So, so Pat, obviously, Pat Roach is sadly no longer with us. And it was yeah. like, he was one of the... You know, I'm I'm one of them people that I'm not a big fan of the false, uh, you know, the false grief. Like when a celebrity dies and everyone's on Facebook going, oh, I'm so yeah. sad, I'm so sad. Like, you know, when David Bowie died, all of a sudden everyone was a David Bowie fan and then Prince died, everyone was a Prince fan. And and I'm just like, look, man, you didn't know me, you know, da 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 However, when Pat Roach died, I was genuinely sad and genuinely yeah. upset. I mean, he was, yeah. again, you know, you know, Indiana Jones was like one of my favourite films as a kid. You know, Vida's Impet was such a big part of my life. And, you know, uh, you know, uh, I just, I was genuinely sad. Now, from what, I, from what I've read and what I've heard from other people is that he was a very much a, like a big, big, larger-than-life character. Now, I mean, I, it took me by surprise. Was it he? Because me. I mean, he was playing that he was actually a bit poorly um, on the like the part of the part of the script is yeah. that he's, he, he collapses yeah. in the pub. And was he was he st- was he still firing on all cylinders at the time? So or was he actually getting a bit poorly at the time? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much he was at the time. I don't know how ill he, Ill he was, and I don't know what that what effect that had on him during filming, but. Everything that we did and everything that 
I saw that he shot, he was gentle and soft. And he was just, I mean, as he was in the series, he would just be somebody that was telling everybody else that would come in with an undercutting line. It was just soft. But Bummer likes that. Bummer loves yeah. that. And, um, but when we were all sat together, I mean, he held court. Yeah, yeah, that's what nobody, yeah. nobody else spoke, and he held court with wrestling stories, yeah. whatever stories. He just he oh, just regaled stories brilliant. of his life, and nobody got a word in edgeways. Nobody, I, and I, I, I remember. I don't remember anything that anybody else said apart from. I mean, I, I don't remember what he said, but I just remember sat there listening, just going, "Oh my god, he hasn't he hasn't shut up," and they're all laughing, they're asking him. Was it sometimes you had to maybe give yourself, were you pinching yourself sometimes going, I can't believe I'm sat here with these people? Oh, no, yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was phenomenal. I, to be sat there in, in those chairs and seeing them, them all have their names on the backs of the chairs and they all came out and all sat down together and I'm, I'm sat there in a dress um, next, to, next to all these people. I mean, particularly for, for people like us, you know, you've got the three of them. Yeah, Tim Ely, Kevin Waitley, the three of them are all there. You're going, I know all about you three. Yeah. And I'm sat here and you're, you know, now that I'm, you know, I'm 43 and I look at younger actors from the Northeast coming through or you work with young ones and you think, I wonder where you're going to be when you're 43. And I wonder if they're them at the time were going, I wonder, is, he, is this going to be the only job he does or is he going to be somebody to watch or anything like that? You, you just wonder because you you don't realise it at the time, but now when you get to their age, because I, I mean, how old was how old were they being when they did Avida's Impact? About 45, 50? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and you just think, I wonder how they view younger Geordie actors and whether they encourage them or anything like that to come through. Yeah. So, yeah, we shot that and enjoyed every minute offset with them. Um, and then, yeah, just did the the scenes in the, the club where he comes in to meet us backstage. Yeah. Yeah, and I got I got on really well with Jimmy. I really did. Yeah. He, he looked out for me. He really did look out for oh, me. Oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. He was a star. Again, you know, just, you know, from, from a, I remember just being from a very, very early age, you know, being a, you know, being, being, being someone that I would, you know, you know, he, he, you know, he was, you know, the, he was the most famous man on the most famous TV show yeah. in, in the country. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, and being a Geordie and you know, and just you know the the you know the the jokes and the humour, yeah. you know, just all. And I remember, so this was like back in the day of, of, of videotapes. And I remember, you know, my mother taped the episodes off the telly, and we would go back and rewatch them and rewatch them and rewatch yeah. them. And just yeah, you know, I know like this. They, they, I remember when I was a kid, there wasn't all of the episodes on tape. We had like. I think out of the 13 of the series, I think we had like six of them or eight of them on a videotape yeah. somewhere or two videotapes and I've watched them over and over again. And like the one in the curry house, when they go to the curry house and Neville's, Neville's the waiter, like I know every single word yeah. that episode, I've watched it that many times and that. So yeah, yeah just, uh, you know, I just, you know, absolutely love it. I um, I, email, I emailed Jimmy about four months ago, maybe three or four months ago, just to say, because my dad passed away last year. All right, sorry. Yeah. And um, it's all right. Um, and I, t I emailed Jimmy just to say, look, you, you know, and I, what was it I'd watched? Oh, no, the song, um, I don't want nobody else. I love you. He's yeah, lying. Yeah. She's lying. And that came on and it just 
brought up all this emotion because my dad used to do it all the time to my mum. We'd be in the car, my mum would say something, and my dad would turn around me and go, she's lying. <laughs> so, and I just, I emailed Jimmy just to go, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I just want to let you know that never take it for granted what, and I'll never underestimate how much you mean to people, particularly from the Northeast. I said, my life and so many social events, aspects of my life with my dad were because of you, because of the music that you recorded, because of the series that you did. And I just want to say that, you know, my relationship with my dad was formed around things that you did so far away to me. In Teesside, you were only filming in the north, in, in Newcastle. It was like being up for Biker Grove. I can't imagine ever being up for Biker Grove because it was so far away, but it wasn't. It was 40 minutes. But Jimmy Nail and everything that he did meant so much to my dad and it formed so much of my childhood. And I just sent him an email just to say, you know, thanks for the memories. And he just said, you know, he just replied just saying, it's nice to know that I had an effect on your life. And it, it was, yeah. And it, it's the same for so many people, people like you, people like that have listened to this podcast, that when you actually look at what Avidis Impact means to families and what you pass down as a, in, in, to a generation, I mean, people my age, our age, know it because our parents yeah. watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's little bits of it that you then show your mates or people that are in your group that are maybe 10 years younger, 50 years younger that you have a beer in the pub with. And it, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it means a lot. Yeah. Not to get too deep with you. No, well, do you know yeah. what, do you know what, mate, is, you know, we've, we've done nearly an hour there. And um, I think that that would be a very, very poignant way to leave it. Yep. Um, you know, I mate, look, you've been fantastic, and I could talk to you for the next ten hours. Yeah, but you've got you've got your family coming back, and I've kicked. I my, don't know where they are. And I've, and I've, kicked, hours, I've kicked my girlfriend out the living room. She's currently sat in the bedroom, probably cursing me. So um, I'm going to go and cook, I'm gonna have to go and cook her, cook, cook the dinner and make up for it. Um, but yeah, look, mate, what a fantastic way to finish. Good. And um, I just really want to say, mate, you know, I'm so grateful for the time that you've given up. Uh, no problem you know, for us in the podcast and um and yeah you know um uh, you know you've always you know anything um you know you ever you ever you ever need anything from the podcast i know it's highly doubtful but if you ever need anything from us mate you know all you got to do is ask and i will you know, thank you for having uh, us on and yeah just i want to say you know i'm so so grateful thank you very much indeed and and i'm sure that our our, our listeners and our watchers uh, feel the same so uh, we'll, from that mo for that moment, uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much. Lovely. Well, George, that was absolutely yeah. fantastic. What yeah. an absolute legend Mark is. So Brilliant. please, please, please do, if you enjoyed the interview, please do feel free to mention uh, uh, on Twitter that you listen to it and, and see and, and mention to Mark and, and, you know, just say thanks be, uh, on behalf of the Arvina Zane again. Uh, yeah, he definitely yeah. himself. What an absolute legend! So, without further ado, let's move straight on um, to series three, episode two, heavy metal. So, the episode opens, and there are um, the Indian, yeah, 
They are, well, so they, they open, the episode opens there on the River Tees, the transporter, Shadow, and then they're on the bridge, and then the seven of them are on the, well, they keep calling it a ferry. I think the correct mm-hmm. term is the gondola, isn't it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but the thing that goes back and forth of the transporter bridge, and Moxie says, peculiar bloody bridge. And Dennis says, I um, see years ago, they used to build ships this far up the Tees, and they couldn't put up a regular bridge. They couldn't get out the sea. And um, and Barry says, it's uh, um, still here. What does it hurt me? How you swung this dealers? Um. Uh, again, George, same as you, my notes wrote them. Some of these notes were from quite a while ago. I'm yeah, same here. <laughs> um, Oz says, I says, just economics, Barry. He says, see, the Granger's consortium put this job out to tender high tech civil engineering companies. Well, them all have overheads bringing in cranes from the continent and what have you. The lowest quote they got was two million nicker. Dennis says, well, we're way below that. Can we do it? And he says, yes, we can do it because we are low tech. We're <laughs> going to pull it down the same way that them put it up 90 years ago with pulleys and chains and sweat and toil. And Wyman says, where's it going? And, and I says, oh, uh, I'm not sure, kid. The Far East, I think. And Barry says, Malaysia. And he says, eh? And he says, Granger, good as told me when we had our dinner. And, um, and he says, oh, and Nev says, I right, we should have a photo. So they all agree, all right. And he says, excuse me, Pet, can you take the picture? So they have a photograph taken of them on the transporter bridge. Mm. And next we cut to see um, lorries coming in and customs check the lorry and let it go. And as we later find out, this is full of people. So... Mm. We cut to a lawyer's office and all of the lads are in the lawyer's office and they're obviously establishing the um, the, the company um, of uh, uh, how they're going to take the bridge down. Yeah. And the lawyer says, he says, I take it this partnership is being formed on a basis of mutual trust. And Oz says, yes. And he, and, and he says, well, there's no point in formalising the relationship um, no need to register a company. All we need is a simple letter of agreement signed by you all. And Oz says, equal dibs all the way around. And the lawyer says, pro rata, based upon your contribution to the work and capital. And Den says, not exactly. And Oz says, yes, exactly. And uh, and any and, and, and then the lawyer says, and any possible profit. And Barry says, eventual profit. Um and um, we'll also be divvied pari par um, The lawyer getting all technical there. And he says, pari par what? And Barry just says, equal slices of the cake, Mox. And he's, Mox, he says, well, why didn't you just say so? So the lawyer says, right, we'll get the letter drafted. You can sign it while you're here. Now, or now all you need is a local bank account in the name of your partnership, and you're ready to sign checks. And Neville says, well, we don't have a name. What are we going to call ourselves? And Bomber says, let's see what our initials spell. And Barry grabs a pen and paper. He says, may I? He says, wait. He says, Barry, Oz, Neville, Dennis, that's Bond. Very good. And he says, that's a good start, isn't it? It's a union coming together. He says, yeah, but you're left with B, M, and W. And he says, that's a good name for a car. But we're only, we've only got one vowel. <laughs> 
And Moxie says, it's a bit like Countdown, this. Says, hang on, what's your real name, Bob? And he says, oh, good thinking, Moxie. Brian. Mm. Um, so Moxie is, realises another B. And Wyman says, my middle name is Ian, if that's any use. And Oz shouts, Dim Knob. <laughs> Dennis says, well, that's going to look on a letter, good look, look good on a letterhead, isn't it? Dim Knob Demolition. Huh. Yeah. Um, anyway, the lawyer's trying to chase them on. And he says, I do have a three o'clock. And um, then they say it has to be pithy and distinctive. Um, and then Moxie says, a flock of seagulls. I don't know why. I don't know why. Is that a reference to the, the band, a flock of seagulls well, or something? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was or you a... might have known that George being the music man that you are. Well, that was the early 80s, yeah. He says it has to be pithy and distinctive. And Moxie says, a flock of seagulls. And I really, I mean, it's a weird, strange line. If anybody knows, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, anybody, if anybody understands the concept. I think the, their hit was called Thinking of You, so I, I don't know where that comes from. Anyway, Oz says, Moxie, shut your lid. And the lawyer says, okay, let's reschedule, sleep on it. And Neville, just out of nowhere, says, bridge north. And Dennis says, that's yeah. good, that's good. And they all agree. Oz Br says, bridge north. I like that, Nev, that's happening. Bridge north. Maybe he's even have our own website. So they all hand over their checks and Moxie hands over a pile of cash. <laughs> yeah. all there. Where did he got that from? <laughs> so they're all walking down the street smoking cigars and that street is actually in Middlesbrough. Yeah. And Moxie says, uh, these are quite nice, Barry, talking about the cigars. He goes, you must let us know where you get them from. And Barry says, Davidoff's of German Street in London, Mox. I don't suppose you know it. Mm. He says, I do, actually. It's across the street from the Ironmongers. So he's taking the piss. So it's yeah, not yeah. actually, there is, the Davidoff shop, is, is it, it's that one on the corner, isn't it? Which is, yeah, it's like at the very end of German Street, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they used to have, I remember they used to have a sign up behind the counter saying, thank you for smoking. I don't know if it's <laughs> there or not, but it's been a long time since I've been in that shop. Um, anyway, so um, they walk past the bookshop and they see Granger's picture and Neville says, hey, here's our benefactor. And um, and uh, and Wayne says, how, uh, Wyman says, how did he handle himself in the nick? And Oz says he was petrified most of the time. He didn't have that smug look on his boat race, neither. And uh, Barry says, I found him nice enough at dinner, but for a man who's found God... His hand did stray to my wife's thigh a few times. Um, so, obviously, hinting that Jeffrey may not be as honest as he is trying <laughs> out with his um, new religious thinkings. Um, so Oz says, so what's the order of play then? And he says, what do you mean? He says, well, you're a gaffer, always were. And he says, thinking, uh, he says, well, we'll have to find a spot to pitch the tents. Um, and we need a site office. And Nev says, courtesy of Navenda Holtz. Says, nice one, Nev. Uh, Portaloos off the supplies, minibuses, and we'll need a boat, I suppose, so we can ferry back and forward across the river. And uh, Moxie says, where's the workforce coming from? And I says, overseas. Says, overseas, how come? And he says, how come? Because the Brits wouldn't, would want 18 pound an hour. That's how uh -huh. Whereas your Albanian will settle for a lot less. 
And Bowman says, we're beginning to sound like the bosses, aren't we? Um, um, anyway, so they cut and we see the uh, the Lorry. empty yeah. of the immigrants and Addy overseas. Now, so Addy, who is um, uh, one of Mickey's startups uh, henchmen, mm. um, is, if you go back, has a 20... He was an actor called Alan Igbon, who yeah. fortunately died uh, quite recently. Oh, God. Um, and um, he was in one of my favourite films of all time, and he played a character called Mikin in Scum. And he oh, was, really? And, yeah, he was in Scum. And uh, there was a very famous line where after the guy kills himself and he sticks his finger and he goes, up your fucking borstal. Like that. Oh. And um, yeah, he was uh, one of the, like, you know, one of the, uh, he had a fairly decent role in Scum. He was also in in The Black Stuff, The Professionals, The Boys uh. from The Black Stuff, Brookside, as every Scouse actor was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, and also Doctors. So yes, I mean, not 26 credits, uh, been in some good stuff, but yes, unfortunately, how old was he dying? He must have, must have been that old. Oh, I don't... I mean, he's... I mean, well, so... So Scum was made in, like, basically in the 70s. When yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I think it was made 76, the year I was born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's 45 oh, years. I was 11. Yeah, so I think he was probably in his late teens. I mean, he probably, like, 45, he probably... I mean, he was maybe even 20. So, yeah, yeah he's probably about 65, like, in his yeah. 60s. Um, yeah, so yeah, unfortunately, he, he was uh, like I say, passed away recently. Um, but yes, like I say, fantastic character from one of my favorite movies, anyway. So he says he's unloading the he's unloading obviously the illegal immigrants off the back of the lorry, and he says, I'll take six back to the pool, meaning Liverpool, I'm assuming. Yeah, he says, take the rest of the house in Salford, and she'll come with me. And he obviously picks the young lady off the back of the truck. Yeah. And um, then Den, Den and Oz, they cut to Den and Oz, and they go and meet the gangmaster on the banks of the Tees with the, the bridge in the background. And um, we saw soon discover he's called Yorgo, and he says, how are you, my friend? But again, let's just cut back there. So... Um, did we mention him last time? Where are we? Oh, no, I haven't got him written down. We'll we'll talk about him next time. We yeah. do have two other, three other, three other people to talk about. Um, yeah, so he says, uh, how are you, my friend? And I says, I'm champion. He says, Dennis, this is Yogi. And he says, nice to meet you. And he goes, you're a go. And he goes, sorry, he goes, uh, and then he says, I have to tell you, this not soft job. Many of my people's. They work hop fields and pluck chicken, not right. <laughs> this needs skilled men, engineer, military. So Oz says, this leading you up to asking me for more money? And he says, this leading me up to me asking you for more money, yes. And he says, we had a deal, pal, remember? Now, if you're trying to shaft me, I've still got two weeks to get somebody else. And he says, you know find somebody else. You work through me. And Dennis says, how much extra do you want? And he says, 10,000. He says, 10,000. And Oz says, 10,000, knob off. Anyway, at, at this, there's a, a, a fairly large gentleman jumps out of the car. Mm. 
And uh, and Oz says, what's up with him? And he says, he is upset because you upset me. And he goes, well, how upset would he be if I gave you a slap? <laughs> and uh, Dennis says, look, Oz, you know, he says he's got a point. I mean, you could pull a you couldn't you couldn't pull a bridge down with chicken pluggers. He says, maybe there's some middle ground here, you know. How about we'll give you five thousand now? And if you knock the bridge down within six weeks, we'll give you another five thousand bonus. And um he says, and he and all says aye. And he says, is deal. And he goes, Your your friend, think with his head. And I says, What does your friend think with? His bollocks, <laughs> and uh, and he goes to uh, pull a gun out, mm. which is you know not very British of him, is it? For Christ, no, 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 it's not and cricket. Goes, no, and he goes, stop bullshit. You have advance, and he goes, it's all there. So he says, very good. Monday twenty fifth, you have fifty peoples, and then Dennis says, he goes, I can't believe you were going to give that bloke a slap, man. He goes, he had a gun. You could see it sticking out of his jacket. And I was against eye, window dressing. He goes, I'll tell you what, lad. He goes, there's something to be said for just driving a minicab. Anyway, so uh, Nev um, uh, calls Brenda and he says, hello, pet, it's me. You're working late. And she said, uh, oh, how did it go? He says, is it all signed and sealed? And he says, aye, for better or worse. And she says, it's for the best, Neville. One of the words that we never use, I'm broke, I'm stressed, I'm depressed, depressed. I'm too old. He says, right, are you gonna, Are you on your way back? And he says, no, we're going to stop over, have a bite at Oz's. I've fixed Debbie's, uh, and she says, I've fixed Debbie's party, taking the back room at Guido's, have a disco and everything. And he says, well, that's going to cost, isn't it? And she says, and she says, hello, what were we just saying? He says, fine, fine, champagne, limousines, ecstasy, whatever. And um, anyway, Bomber says, uh, he says, this place gives me, they're talking about, they're, they're in one of them um, automated hotels. Have you ever seen one of them? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's one near Old Street. Easy, easy hotel, same kind of thing. No, well, there used to be, this one that they're in, mm. there used to be one, at the end, very close to my mother's house, just off the A1. Mm. Um, so I'd obviously I've never been in, but apparently it was like it was only £25 a night. <laughs> and like you say, you just step in, you swipe your swipe your, oh, put your debit card in or your credit card in, and then away you go and you've got a hotel room. So, so it's good for people to take brasses in there and all that. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, another another show. Hey, well, exactly. I mean, that's how your mind might work, George. <laughs> but yes, I believe. Those kind of hotels may be frequented by uh, the working uh, the working populace of uh, of certain areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Bomber's talking about. He says this place gives me the creeps. Everything's automated. Whatever happened to people? And Moxie says, uh, "Can one of you pay for us? I don't have a credit card. I'll give you the cash." Stone cheers. And then we see a couple walk out. And very much to your point, there, Joel. <laughs> He says, um, and Bomber says, I bet there's a lot of the old in and out in a place like this. So whether they are professionals or whether they are just amateurs seeking yeah. uh, seeking some uh, privacy, uh, probably a short time, yeah. yeah, a short time hotel. And Wyman says, yeah, in and out in half an hour. 
And uh, Nev says, okay, lads. And Barry was steaming out. He says, I'm not staying here. There's no room service. Anyway, so they go to what they cut to Oz's and Dennis is at Oz's and he says, is this yours, a laptop? And he says, aye, I learned computer skills in the Nick because you see there's no social barriers in cyberspace, Den. People cannot tell your accent in a chat room. And then Den says, well, I'm glad to hear you learned something inside. And he said, I did carpentry and art. See that lovely table over there with a barley twist leg on it? And Dennis says, what, you make that? And he says, no, no, but it's nice, isn't it? <laughs> he says, listen, Den, How's about we go over to Newcastle tomorrow, pack all your things and come back over here. You can stay here with me as long as you like. And Dennis says, everyone seems to be doing me favours. Look, I've told you, man, I cannot pay you back. And I says, didn't fret about the money, Den. We've told you that you won't have to, you won't have, you, you, you won't owe it. Just come out. It will just come out of uh, your whack at the end. And he says, and being here, with me has got to be better than where you were living recently. And he says, hey, I wasn't destitute, you know. And he says, were well, you not? He says, no. He says, uh, and then anyway, so he goes to light the cigarette. And he says, uh, Den, Den, Den. He says, kind of dig that in the house. He kind of dig that here. I mean, it's smoke-free zone. If you want to light up, you'll have to go in the garden. And then he says, hell's bollocks. He says, it's, it's hard to get used to the new Oz. He says, mind you, the old one turned up when you lumped that flipping dealer. With it. he says, he says, like living with flipping, like living with Jekyll and Hyde, man. <laughs> so, um, uh, Moxie, they're sitting having their dinner and all that. Anyway, so Moxie says, Dennis says you named your baby after Ali McBeal, talking to Neville, and he says, well, Brenda did. And Moxie says, isn't that the manager of Dundee United? And uh, oh, says, right, who's for a bit more Romanian red? And Bummer says, no thanks, Oz, dodgy stomach. So this is the first sign that we see that something might not be right with Bummer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Moxie says, it's probably this wine. He says, I'll be glad when I've had enough. Um, and Barry says, just a touch, Oz. Love it. He says, we don't drink much wine at home. And he says, no. And he says, no, Tatiana's tipple is a cranberry and stolly. And uh, Neville says, whatever happened to your hazel? And, and Barry has a little laugh. He says, oh, <laughs> he says, she left me. She did this open university course and she got caught up in the whole movement and confused emancipation and liberation with sleeping with other women. And he says, never. And Oz says, and she never let you watch. <laughs> and, uh, and Barry says, I always wondered why she was such a Melissa, Melissa, Etheridge fan. Yeah, yeah, Minister Etheridge, yeah. I don't know who's military. Uh, a bit of a sort of rocking lesbian in the 80s. Leather, leather trousers and, uh, yeah. Oh, well, there we go. I'm glad you're here, George. Had I a couple of hits. She was quite good. Hmm. Yeah. And then he says, no, she moved in with an aromatherapist from Solly Hull. He says, actually, I saw her a year back. She was trying to change a rear tyre on the hard shoulder. <laughs> on the M6. <laughs> she had tooled up in the Bentley. Of course, she had absolutely no inkling how rich and successful I'd become in the meantime. And um, what did she say, said Moxie. He said, well, she just stared at me in utter disbelief. And then Neville says, but you helped her change the wheel. And he says, nah, pig off. He says, it was pissing down. He says, no, I said, well, 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 Heisel. That'll teach you for being a lesbow. 
And then Dennis chimes in. He says, I've got two ex-wives. Me, a couple of kids I never hear from, like. And then Neville says, it's my Debbie's 18th next week. We're having a big thrash. And Wyman says, do you want me to spin for her? And he says, how do you mean? And then Oz says, well, that's what he does. The band, like, he's a turntablist, a mixmeister. He's a DJ man, records. And Neville says, oh, I agree it. He says, well, I'm off down London at the weekend. I'll bring some records back. Bit of garage, bit of hip-hop, bit of reggae. You know what I'm saying. And Neville says, fantastic. She'll be over the moon. And Bomber says, I'm surprised you're letting him loose amongst your daughters, pal. He says, if he's anything like his father. And uh, Oz says, is that what you are, kid? A chip off the old block? And he says, well, I mean, I'm not desperate. He says, let them come to you. That Barry says, let them come to you. That's what your father taught me. And Dennis says, um, he says, your lad's about Wyman's age, isn't he, Oz? Rod, wasn't it? He says, it was, still is. He says, I hardly know the kid. Never come, never come to see us once when I was in the jail. You know, I think I got a letter. I think I got one letter. Moxie says, took his mother's side, did he? He says, ah, well, I kind of blame him for that. Like, he says, uh, he says, he says, not in the house. And, and then uh, Dennis goes to light a cigarette again. And he says, well, not in the house, then. Anyway, so they're at the site the next day and Granger turns up. And yeah, he's all fully cheesy and smiley. And he says, oh, good to see you. He says, Jeffrey. And he says, Mr. Taylor, how are you? He says, I'm very well, Jeffrey. Thank you. And he says, uh, good. And he says, are these your other chaps or your uh, partners? And he says, good, good to meet you. I'm Jeffrey Granger. And Moxie says, hello. And he says, this is Dan Calhoun, a structural engineer. And he's uh, the Irish as the common. He's like, how are you doing? And he says, champion. And he says, so I've been over the original plans and worked out a dismantling sequence. Have you much experience in this line of work? And Oz says, well, not exactly on this scale. And he says, well, if you don't dismantle it in the proper order, you run the risk of creating sectional stress. And Barry says, obviously. And he says, well, it'll end up with the entire fabrication toppling in the river. And, um, and Moxie says, that would cut a few corners and Granger laughs. And, and, and Dennis says, well, why don't you talk us through the whole procedure? And he says, so which one of you is the gaffer? And, uh, and I says, well, that would be Dennis. And um, anyway, so Granger says he's worked on bridges all over the world. He's talking to Barry on the side now. And he says he's, he's a bit of a problem with his source, but then he's Irish. <laughs> says, well, he, he, won't, uh, he won't be pulling the rivets out himself. He says, exactly. He says, look, we're going to make a bit of a thing of the last ride, you know, the last trip across the river. Tony will almost certainly be, be coming. Murray says, Tony, he says, Blair. He says, all oh, right. And he says, well, his constituency is only up the road after all. He says he'll bring a couple of cabinet cronies. Lord Wharfdale will be here. And uh, the Marquess of London, Anton Deck. Anyway, uh, I thought you people should be represented. He says, oh, Jeffrey, I'd be delighted. And he says, I hope you'll bring your lady wife. She will certainly grace the occasion. So again, Jeffrey, very much trying to, uh, yeah. try to get his get his eyes all over Tatiana again. And Barry says, oh, yeah. thrilled. And he says, "Good chap." He says, "Well, my stomach tells me it's lunch. 
Sarah, see if you can find a restaurant with three chef's hats, if that's remotely possible, in this neck of the woods. And they both have a bit of a laugh. So we cut to the uh, back to Mickey Startups Club. And the recent immigrants are now doing Moxie's old job. So what we first saw Moxie doing and taking the rubbish out yeah. of that, we now see one of the re- one of the recent immigrants also doing that, and, and there's another one washing the car. Um, and um, so Startup and his thugs are watching the video of Moxie stealing the money. So, so just so you just to cut back there. So Mickey Startup also unfortunately died quite recently. Oh god! Around the same time as Alan Igbon. Um, but Mickey Startup was uh, played by a man called Michael Angelis, who yeah. had a fairly extensive career. Yeah, yeah, I've seen him in a few things, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 105 credits on IMDb. And do you know where the, the vast majority of his credits come from? Oh, I can't think. I, I know his face, but... Something I think that you'll be a big fan of, George. Think of his own TV. No. Well, <laughs> we are, obviously, we are. We've seen your your obsession with Carol Vorderman. Is getting yeah, yeah. Out it's getting a bit out of control, actually. It's getting it. a bit out of control, George. But never mind. Anyway, think of his accent. So most of his most of his um, Brookside. No, no uh, I'm sure he was on Brookside, but he did a lot of Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, bloody hell, no, no. Well, Thomas the Tank Engine originally was Ringo Starr. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. Then I think it got to the point where Ringo Starr, like, couldn't be asked anymore or whatever. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so yes, so Mickey Startup was tor- tor- uh, uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. Um, but he also did uh, Corrie, Zed Cars. Oh, Robin. I watched that back in the 70s. Yeah, Robin's Nest. Yeah. Minder. Oh. George and Mildred. Yeah. Voice from the Black Stuff, The Professionals, oh. Bergerac, Bread. Yeah. As with nearly every single one, was also in Boone. Oh. Lovejoy, The Liver Birds, Commoners, oh. Commoners Muck, which also had Tim Healy in it. Holby City, Heartbeat, The Bill, and Casual E. So, yeah, those were some of the yeah. highlights of Michael Angelus's Some career. classic 70s shows there, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyway, so Mickey started, he says, uh, this man, Moxie, robbed me. He took some private papers along with a cash. I want it all back. He says, so, Mr. Platt, how do you feel about killing him? And Teddy Platt, he says, I'm a Tranmere Rover supporter, brought up in the shadow of Liverpool and Everton. Makes you feel like a poor relation, country cousin. It leaves you resentful, full of spite. And so Mickey Stoddard says, was that a yes? And he says, uh, I'll start with his gaff." And Ali says, he says, we tore it apart, nothing but dirty laundry and, and bootleg videos. And then the, the woman immigrant who we saw, um, she walks in with a tray of drinks. And Mickey Startup says, you got lucky, didn't you, my dear? Good job, this. Nice dress. Better than working in a sweat in a sweatshop, eh? He says, don't worry, I'll look after you. Quite a creepy way. Yeah. And uh, then Addy says, I'd pay for that one myself. 
and Startup says they'll be paying for us soon enough. So basically he's hinting that they're going to be selling their into prostitution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Addy says those brothers of hers are very protective. And he says, yeah, well, Yorgo got a big job up in Middlesbrough. And he says, make sure that they're on it. So Mickey Startup's trying to separate her from her, her brothers so he can get her, yeah. get her working as a brass. Anyway, so they cut back to the borough and they're on the bridge. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, and Oz says, he says, I want to take the first rivet out with this sucker. And he says, oh, he says, um, he says and Dennis says, oh, hey, I can't stand hates me. He says, I'm going to have to go down those. He says, oh, man, then we can see what future is from up here. And he says, oh, he says, where do you see yourself? And he says, in a better place. And Dennis says, is that metaphorically? He says, if you like, he says, I'm taking steps, though. I'm seeing me laddie tonight. And he says, oh, yeah, he says, I. He says, well, I rang the mother, got a phone number. And he says, you've got some bridges to build there, mate. And he says, is that another metaphor? He says, thick and fast, the day, dinner. And he says, oh, he says, I've got a gandoon, man. And he said, and Osgan's hold on. And then he gives fucking, uh, as they're walking off, he gives Den a little bit of a shove and, and, and scares him. And he goes, ah! And he goes, it was only a joke. So they cut to a new hut, which is the site office. Mm. And Devil is wearing a hard hat. And he's looking in the mirror. And Lorraine, his beautiful ah, secretary, Lorraine, she says, oh, you look good in that, Neville, very macho. And he says, uh, thanks. And she bends over in a very short leather, leather skirt. <laughs> and then Oz comes in, he goes, oh, it's taters out there. And he sees the arse. And Dennis says, morning, Nev. And he says, uh, who's the totty? And he says, this is my, this is my secretary, Lorraine. She's come to help us set up the office. Lorraine, this is Dennis and Oz. And she says, hiya. And they both say hello. And Oz says, uh, you might want to think twice about wearing that skirt when the workforce arrive, pet. And she goes, really? Neville's always liked this skirt. Always asking me to wear it. I bet he did. Uh, exactly. And she says, I'll go fetch that other box from the car. He says, right. And Oz says, he says, I'm a, he says, I'm amazed Brenda allows that to slither around your office. And then he says, oh, she's very good at what she does. He says, oh, I watch that. And he goes, well, she, uh, you know, answers the phones. <laughs> yeah. uh, he says, well qualified then. And Dennis has a laugh. So we cut to Barry's house and uh, Barry walks in and there's music being very played, very, very loud. And you can clearly see he's not happy and, you know, there's clothes and shit everywhere. And Caddy is playing air guitar. Now, so Caddy is played by a Serbian actor ah. called Dragan Mikanovic. Ah, very Serbian name. Yeah. And he has been basically... Whenever there is the want of a, um, uh, you know, token uh, Russian or Eastern European, he is in, uh, he gets called up. He's the go-to he, man. Yeah. yeah, he was in uh, Ultimate Force, um, that uh, the SES uh, drama with Ross Kemp. He was oh. in Spooks. He was in Layer Cake. And oh, I was he? Well, he played, do you remember in Layer Cake, The Assassin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you never actually see him, but you just mm. hear his voice on the phone. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And the assassin was called Dragon. 
So, yeah. Dragon played Dragon. He was in Casualty, Rock and Roller, Ashes to Asses, Silent Witness, Papillon, and um, obviously numerous Serbian TV uh, films. So, um, Barry comes in and he says, uh, and he says, Mrs. Greenland not being in today. And he says, of course she did. She leave at four o'clock. And he goes, how can you make this much mess in two hours? And he goes, hey, Barry, chill, Malabar. How was your business in the North? And he says, all right, thank you. How's our business? Managing all right without me? He says, ah, he says, no problem. 14 tonnes we shift this week. Packet soup, kidney and, kidney and steak, how you say? Pie. He says, pie, mm. pie and tins. Yes. Want a drink? He says, no, it's too early for me. Thanks, Cad. And he says, my sister upstairs. She make herself beautiful. Uh, the sister, yeah, of yeah. course. And then it's, it's, you know, you can see the way that Barry's like, you know, laughing. He's, you know, he's starting to, I think he's starting to realise that something isn't 100% on the... The penny list. is slowly dropping, yeah. very slowly. So he goes upstairs and Caddy puts the music back on and we see Tatiana powdering her nose. Ah, yeah. A little bit of a hoot. Um, so again, Tatiana is also a Serbian actress and she has 80 credits on IMDb. Oh. And as well as obviously in pet, she was in Captain America Silent Witness, Entourage, and obviously lots and lots and lots of Serbian and other foreign stuff. Mm. So she's uh, she's having a sniff, and Barry says, it's a bit early. And she straight away, she jumps down his throat. He's He is well and truly henpecked and under the thumb. She goes, this, I don't believe. You leave me alone. You come home straight off. You on my back. And he says, no, no, he says, I'm, 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 I'm not, babe, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's me, I'm tired, I'll have a, anyway, I've got you an invite, we're going to be doing this uh, last ride across the river, a bit of a PR thing. And she goes, you want me to go, where is this place? And he goes, Middlesbrough. And she goes, I think, no, thank you. And he goes, well, it's going to be, uh, you know, very top draw, Tatiana, all sorts of aristos and pop stars, the Prime Minister. And she goes, I have nothing to wear. And um, and he says, uh, he says, I'm sure you'll solve that problem, baby. Now, obviously, Barry begins racking up a line of gear, yeah, mm. like it's the most normal thing in the world. Like he does even clearly see do this all the time. So, you know, like obviously, you know, nobody's ever mentioned drugs before or tea yeah. or anything like that. Just beer. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, Barry. Is very you can see Barry's very very familiar with uh, with with knocking up a, racking up a line of gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he says, "I'm sure you'll solve that problem, baby." He says, "Anyways, there will probably be a bit of a do afterwards. You know, banquet halls speak. Um, you know, speaks lots of uh, you know lots of pre uh, press and stuff." He says, why don't you come up for a couple of days, meet the boys, I've told them all about you. And he, uh, and he does a big, he does a big like, yeah. And then he says, oh, he says, where did you get this stuff from? And she says, boots, it's my herbal laxative. And he says, oh, <laughs> he's, oh bloody hell. He says, I'll have a runny nose for days. And then he, he squeezes a fart out and you can see he's worried that he might shit himself. <laughs> 
so we cut to the central station in Newcastle, mm. which is actually the real central station in Newcastle, yeah. where they are. Um, and um, Neville uh, picks up uh, Wyman. And he says, all right. And he says, yeah. He says, where's this party? Then he says, not far. He says, I've told my daughter I brought London's top DJ especially. And, uh, and he says, she's impressed. And he says, I hope it's the truth. And he says, well, not really. And he says, well, don't tell her that. He says, I've got a lot of points from this. He says, because usually she thinks of me as the un, the, the, the most un, as the uncoolest person on the planet. Just, just here, what have you got in there? And um, and he says, uh, those are my records, isn't it? Anyway, so they get to the hotel and uh, Moxie is perving through the wall. So he's, he's got his ear, pre- like there's a couple obviously hammering away in the next... Uh, <laughs> in the- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Moxie is all but, all but jacking himself off yeah, yeah, yeah. in this particular thing. So, um, so he, um, there's a knock at the door and it's Bomber. And um, and he says, just a minute. He says, hello, me. He says, come on, Mox. He says, let's get out of here. He says, why? What's wrong with it? He said, it would be fine if you pl- if you're planning to top yourself. He says, but when I stop in a hotel, I like to go to the bar and have a drink and a chat. He says, I can't talk to a vending machine. And Moxie says, I quite like it. Reminds me of Sweden. And he says, when were you in Sweden? He says, never. He says, I just imagine this is what it's like. You know, fully automated, labour saving. Um, and it's nice, nice soap. Um, Bomber says, let's go down the pub. And he says, okay. So we cut to Oz in a bar, gets a a, a 0% beer, and then Rod comes in, our fantastic uh, guest of the show, Mark. And he says, Rod, he says, all right. He says, all right. He says, how are you doing, son? He says, not bad. He says, can I get you a drink? And he says, can I have a glass of Rioja, please? Uh, what else? Uh, well, remember, our fa- the favourite tipple of Leslie St. John was the white Rioja. Yeah, yeah, Rioja. Um, and he says, a glass of Rioja. He says, is this your local? He says, I come here sometimes. He goes, can he place? He goes, so I spoke to your mother. Do you see much of her? And he says, yeah, I went there a couple of weeks ago. He says, how is she? Is she happy? He says, she's all right. She's got a bloke, got a job, makes her laugh. What about yourself? What are you up to? He says, me. He says, I'm a singer. He says, what? He says, yeah, I sing. I've been doing the clubs and that. I've had a few gigs. He says, well, that's fantastic. Singing, eh? He says, I'll have to come along and see some, see you, see, see you sometimes. He says, well, you don't have to feel obliged. Now, obviously, we find out later what kind of singing it is. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and he says, it's not a question of feeling obliged, man. He says, look, cut us a bit of slack, eh? He says, I know I've not been the world's greatest father, but maybe there's a way I can make up for that. He says, you don't have to. He says, I've got my own life. I'm doing absolutely fine. And he says, listen, son, he says, I'm not proud of the person that I was. You know, I'm not proud of going to jail or being the kind of husband that I was to your mother. He says, but people can change, you know. He says, look, I don't get hammered anymore. I live out in the country. I've got a new tooth look. And he says, and I've got a big, big scheme going down. Could make a real difference. And he said, difference to who? And he says, well, I'd like to think all of us, even if it's only just money. And he says, look, I don't need anything from your dad. And he said, you used to when you were a kid. He says, here, do you remember Neville who went to Germany with us? He says, he's, his daughter's having a party tonight, um, a disco, bit of a knees up. He says, do you want to come? 
He says, it's bound to be a stack of totty. And obviously we find out later that's the wrong thing to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, what? Loads of little wannabes and miniskirts and mascara. And he goes, and Oz thinks that's the right thing to say. And he goes, guaranteed. He goes, thanks. He goes, but I've got a date. He goes, ah, well, he says, the pity. He says, you know, he says, when you're singing, he says, what name do you use? Like professionally? He goes, Rod Osborne. And he goes, aye. Anyway, so that is, uh, we cut from Oz uh, and Rod. To the party. To the party. And Wyman's on the deck. So he's like, all right, all right, let's change the mood. Let's change the groove. He says, let's disco down with a request from the birthday girl. And we hear a scream. And he said, love is the drug. Let's hear it from Mr. <laughs> Perry. Anyway, so Debbie comes up and he says, before your time, this one. And she says, it's me dad. He loves Roxy music. Mm. And she uh, and she gives him a bit of a come on. She goes, can I buy you a drink? And Wyman says, no, no, not in the job. He says, what are you drinking? And she goes, too much. And he goes, yeah, I've heard you. And then, so it's a bit weird. She was giving him the come on. And then he sort of, yeah. then he gives it the back. And she some seems to step back. He says, yeah, he goes, I've heard some of you. Some, you're some wicked girls up here. She goes, oh, yeah. And who told you that? He goes, just a rumor. He says, I've had no first-hand experience. And um, yeah, there's a, there's, there's, there's a definitely a hint um, of, uh, of likes going on there, back and forward between Debbie and Wyman. Anyway, we cut to Mox and Bomber in the pub, and Moxie's ordering the drinks. He says, Tar love and one for yourself. And um, and then he says, Thanks, lad. He says, Cheers, mate. He says, You know, Bomber, he says, you know what Bomber fancies if we make a Bomber two out of this. And he says, No, what's that? He goes, Open a nice little nursery somewhere in the Vale of Evesham, working in the fresh air. And he says, looks like you've seen plenty of fresh air over the past few weeks, judging by the look of you. So, um, and he says, I was digging ditches, laying turf. I worked as a bouncer for six months, club in Birmingham. Terrible. All those kids stoned out of their heads. And he says, much trouble. He says, oh, not much. He says that he made them less violent. And then Bomber keels over. Um, obviously, weird look in his face. And Moxie says, Are you all right? Mate? And he says, Bloody hell. He says, I'm going to need some help. Yeah. So we cut back to the party. And uh, Fiona, who is Neville's other kid, comes up and he says, Dad, mom says I have to go home with you when, with her, you and her at 11. And she says, Well, if she says so. And, and she says, Well, that's, she goes, It's not fair. And he goes, Eh? He goes, It's your sister's party and you're 14. She goes, I know, but he goes, there's no buts, and I just hope you're sticking to orange juice. Anyway, Oz turns up and he says, which one's your Debbie? And he says, there, in the black dress. And he says, they're all in black. He says, it looks like a Marilyn Manson gig. He says, there, man, the blondie taking a swig. He goes, oh, Aisha looks deadly. And he says, they all do. Mm. A little bit noncy of Neb there. And, um, and he says, oh, I think you better get a bit of fresh air, Nev. How are you? So they go outside. So they're outside. This is a pub called the Keyside Inn, which is oh, right. Keyside in Newcastle. It's a, a, a real pub on the Keyside. And uh, I've been in there a few times, um, not for a long, long time. But yeah, there is uh, not a bad little bar. And again, that's just. So that's probably about 150 yards yeah. down, down the street from where we last saw Rod. Get oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So 
Neville says, both me daughters look like strangers tonight. And they, him and Oz walk out onto the quayside, looking down the river. And he says, oh, he says, my laddie is a stranger. He says, at least you've never been away from yours. And he says, oh, how did it go? He says, uh, tricky, says, really? He says, fine looking laddie, mine, nice gear, good skin. Marjorie must have done something right. And Neville says, what I kind of get used to is being a parent to grown-up kids, not Ben's. He goes, I shouldn't be this old, you know what I mean? And he says, ah, he says, I didn't know who I am these days. Or he says, that's how Brenda got us into this bridge bit, this bridge business. So she could see that I had to change things. And um, and he um, and he goes, uh, shit, and he says, shake things up a bit. And I says, but you and Brenda's all right, aren't you? I mean, you know, it's it's not about that. And he says, well, that's part of it. He says, we've never had sex since the Ben was born. Oh, girl. He goes, and I love Brenda. And he goes, what about Viagra? He says, well, that's not the problem. He says, Lorraine in the office, I got a stalker I can hang a hat on. <laughs> and he says, well, what is it then? He says, I don't know. He says, I've been seeing a shrink. Woman over in Jasmine specializes in that sort of thing. Says the daft thing is I could do with her no bother. Says really attractive. He says, Kill, well, can you not think about her while you're shagging Brenda? Obviously tactful as always, Oz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, I knew I shouldn't have mentioned this. And um, he says, it seems like a hell of a good way to get your money out of a sex therapist. So um, they cut to the hospital and Moxie's waiting and Dennis arrives. And he says, all right, Moxie. He says, what did they say? He says, they're going to keep him overnight. He says, what is it? He's hard. Moxie says something else. They wouldn't say they phoned his daughter to find out what medication he was on. And Dennis says, I didn't even know he was. And he says, me neither. He says, well, we wouldn't, would we? And they wheel Bummer out with a mask, like he's got an oxygen mask on and all that. He's definitely mm. not looking too great. And Dennis says, he says, I always thought Bummer was invincible. Yeah, didn't we oh. all? Yeah. Yeah. So we cut and we see Teddy Platt searching for Moxie. Now, this is obviously supposed to be a cafe in Liverpool somewhere, but that cafe is actually in Maidenhead, just oh. from me. Yeah, I know exactly where it is. I can't say I've ever been in it, but I know exactly where it is. So, yeah, it's right in the centre of Maidenhead. And, um, and so Teddy, uh, Teddy Black walks into the cafe and he says, one of you's Lenny Cowan. And the fellow goes, why? He says, I'm looking for a bloke called Moxie. Someone in the in, in the graves told me that he nicked your motorbike. And he goes, I know he friggin' did. He says, well, did you ever get it back? He says, eventually, but I can't afford to fix it. He says, where was it found? Was it local? He says, no, nah, the police in friggin' Middlesbrough fished it out the river. <laughs> nice one, mate. So they, and they cut back to the bridge. So this is the final the final um, trip across the river. And there's obviously protesters there and they're screaming, save our bridge. Mm. And there's a reporter there. So the same. So the transporter ferry sets off on its last ride after servicing this community since 1911. For some, this is a sad occasion, but for others, a step towards progress and the revitalization of Teesside. Sadly, the crisis in the Middle East has prevented the Prime Minister, Tony Blair, from being here today. But the Deputy Minister of Trade has sent this message. And then uh, the protester jumps in and sh she shouts, He's too bloody ashamed to show his face. 
And the reporter says, I'm terribly sorry. Obviously, feelings are running high here today. So the lads are up, up high and they're looking down from above. And Dennis has got some um, uh, binoculars. And he says, I don't recognise anybody, me. And Neville said, they said they were inviting every famous person from Middlesbrough. And I says, well, that's Chris Rear, and he's on tour. <laughs> and he says, isn't David Coverdale from Red <laughs> White Snake. <laughs> he says, who's that? He says, he says, the lead singer of White Snake. And he and 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 Moxie says, Well, that would be a major cue. And then Bomber turns up and he's like, Oh, and they all go, All right, Bomber. He says, Oh, Bomber's fine. Just one of those, one of one of those freak things. The the alcohol didn't mix with a new medication I'm on. I'm right as rain. So again, obviously Bomber yeah. to cover things over. We know Bomber's not well. And Dennis says, Good. And he uh, and he says, So where's it's funny, Bomber? I mean it's not funny, but I mean, you know, they incorporated it into the the program. It's uh Yeah. I mean, was he not was he actually not well, was he not? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. But yeah, because yeah. it's in between well, no, because he, he's in the next series. They go to Havana. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But um, and then, uh, but then he then he he passes away after that one, doesn't he? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he says, "Where's Tony Blair?" And um, and I says, "There's Barry." And he says, "Ooh, he says that must be Mrs. Taylor, the lovely Titiana." <laughs> Titiana, yeah. Titiana, he says, not in that dress. And Neville. He says, give us a look. And he's grabbing binoculars off Dennis and choking him. And, and he's like, hold on, man, hold on. Anyway, we cut to Barry and Tatiana on the bridge. And she says, this, I don't believe. I buy designer dress and I wear my new Versace shoes for what? A ferry and freeze my ass off. And Barry says, don't worry, baby bear. As soon as we get to the other side, <laughs> baby they'll, bear. they'll be limousined off to a top hotel and a posh lunch. Look, sweetie, this is historic. In a month's time, me and the lads are going to pull this whole thing down. Tantiana says, if you pulled it down last month, I wouldn't need to be here. Anyway, so Jeffrey Granger sidles up and he says, Barry, Jeffrey. Says, Tatiana, very sorry about the PM not making it. So I very much wanted him, wanted you to meet him. And Barry says, but our aunt and deck, but aunt and deck are, are, are here, aren't they? And then typical politician, again, this is the kind of person Jeffrey is. He says, well, I haven't heard they're not. Like, he's just, he's an absolute yeah. army prick, isn't he? Anyway, so the bus arrives with the immigrants on, and you can see Yorgo is putting them into houses. And um, and then, uh, so we're, we cut to some, you know, terraced street in Middlesbrough. And he's like, come on, everybody, get off bus. Let's go. Move yourself. Okay. Ten will sleep upstairs. Ten will sleep downstairs. Come on. There is one kitchen for you. Cook one bathroom for, for you. You can piss in yard. Mm -hmm. So um, they cut to some hotel and there is uh, dinner um, and Oz arrives. So Oz, they're trying to stop Oz entering the dining room because he's not dressed correctly. And he says, look, I'm yet to see Mr. Taylor. I don't need a tie. And so he comes in and Tatiana says, who's this? And Barry says, this is Oz. I told you about him, baby. Oz over here. He says, you know, Jeffrey, of course. Let me introduce you to my wife, Tatiana. And he says, hello, lovely to meet you, pet. And uh, this is her brother, Caddy. And he says, they drove up together from Droitwich. So we're having a bit of a night of it. 
And he says, oh, well, I'm sorry. I thought you would have finished your bait by now. He says, okay. And she's and Tatiana says, okay, you talk business. We go outside, have cigarettes. And Oz says, you don't need a bullet. He says, it's okay. And he says, it won't be long. And Oz says, nice to meet you. And, uh, and off they go. And he says, Ritzy place, this thou but, which is a proper Geordie, like proper old school Geordie turn of phrase, that. Yeah. Um, and Jeffrey Granger said, there's no point in depriving yourself. Have a brandy. And he says, no, thanks. And... Um, and, uh, and and uh, and Jeffrey Green says, no problems, I hope. He says, well, we've had to dip into the kitty a bit more than I planned, and the labour's come in a bit more than I'd budgeted for, and the insurance and, and, and this guy, Cahoon, the paddy, is he on your payroll or was? And Jeffrey Green goes, well, yours, surely. He goes, well, you never mentioned that. And he said, I said you'd need a technical chap, and I assume you'd factored that in. He said, well, how over are we? He says, oh, we'll be all right as soon as we get the big advance which means that we, which means we need it paid on the button, Jeffrey, at the end of week one. And he says, well, that's not entirely up to me. And again, he's starting to worm his way out. Absolute slimy scumbag. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be yeah. end of week one. And he says, look, old boy, you're worrying unnecessarily. We should be celebrating. We've come a long way since our first little chat in the prison laundry. We shared a vision. And tomorrow that vision becomes a reality. And Barry says, that's right. Go on, Oz, have something. I recommend the creme brulee. It's absolutely busting. He says, no, thanks. He says, I'd rather just get myself a bag of chips on the way home, Barry. And um, anyway, so Oz um, leaves and walks through the hotel. And he has a, a laugh and um, from out of shot. And then Oz sees Caddy groping the lovely Titiana. <laughs> so now they cut back to the site and the buses with the labour arrive. And Dennis says, right, lads, they're here. And obviously, uh, Yorgo is speaking um, Serbian or Albanian or whatever. And he says, uh, morning, Yorgo. And he says, how are we today? And then um, the workers, like one worker from one bus and one worker from the other bus speak to each other and then it all kicks off and they're all like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And one of them fucking sticks up <laughs> the other one. And he says, uh, he says, what the bloody hell's going on? And Yorgo breaks it up. And he says, what was all that about? And he says, well, they hate each other. And he goes, who hates who? He goes, all this one hate all this one. This one are Kosovans. This one are Serbs. Oh, dear. Neville says, Christ, he says, two years ago, they were at war with each other. And he says, that's right. Kill each other, burn villages. There is still much anger. And the Irishman, Cahoon, he says, and this is our bloody workforce. He says, worse than Ulster. He says, it'll be a bloodbath. And Oz says, do you think we're idiots? He says, we've figured that one out, man. He says, the Serbs are going to be on one side of the river and the Kosovans on the other. And then we see Oz taken out the first rivet. And then Dennis says, he says, it's going to be hard keeping a lid on this. I mean, we've got, we've all heard enough horror stories about the Serbs. And Neville says, the Albanians are just as bad, Dennis. And Moxie says, I thought they were Kosovans. And Neville says that most Kosovans are Albanian. And Oz says, says they're all bandits over here, over there, man. Mm -hmm. Says descended from bandits. He says, you can tell by the way that come into the pub, can't you? You're trying to take the advantage 
of the trying to take advantage of the natural cover. Then it says, well, we'll just have to make sure they stay on their own sides of the river. That's all. It says, Oz says, well, that's easy enough. He says, we can have the Kosovans supporting the borough and the Serbs can support Hartlepool United. And Neville uh -huh. says, well, let's just hope they never meet in the cup. So there's a, a, what, I, what I assume is a foreman and he's speaking foreign and he says, uh, "Get you know, what he's basically saying is get to work and they start yeah, yeah. taking the bridge down. Anyway, so they cut into the office and Barry says, I'm sorry to have to keep popping off, fellas. He says, only Tatiana wants to get home. Tuesday, she has a, a Thai woman walk on her back. Uh, I can do with a bit of that myself, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we've, we've been there. Yeah. <laughs> and then Oz starts questioning Barry. says, well, when did you actually get married, Barry? And he says, it was only a year ago. He says, I was content with the status quo, but she wanted it. Of course, she's got a British passport now. And he says, oh, right. He says, yeah, we had a nice ceremony at Droitwich Registry Office. Bit of a do at home and then jetted off to Portofino for a few days. It was lovely. And Dennis says, you met her brother first, didn't you? He says, yes, we were business partners. That's how I met her. I thought I told you all of this. And he says, ah, we must have forgotten there, Den. And he says, ah, he says, anyway, he says, all right, then tra for a bit. Tra, Barry. And then he says, I take it this wasn't a, and obviously once Barry's left, uh, Dennis says to Oz, he says, I take it this wasn't a brotherly kiss. He says, maybe if you're from Kentucky. He says, yeah. ah. he says yeah. you couldn't have seen very clearly. He says, Denman, he says, I almost fell over them in the corridor. He said he had his tongue down her throat, his hand up her arse. And he says, well, why didn't you tell him? He says, well, how do you tell a bloke his wife's having it away with her brother? And then... Um, <laughs> maybe it isn't her brother. <laughs> yeah, so then we see that the bridge is starting to come down. And then we see um, the the lady, the girl immigrant who we know, who we find out is called Arena, and she is leaving. And she goes, Arena, where will you go? And she goes, I have somewhere. And she goes, They'll find you. They always do. And then we see Teddy Platt with a picture of Moxie, and he's in a pub in Borough. And the barman says he's not from round here. And he says, Well, this, well, the bike was ditched two hundred yards away. And he says, well, he's not local. We know everybody, but there's a, but there's a, a slew of extra people on the bridge job, like. He says, so how do I get across the river? And he says, well, a week ago, you could have got the transporter. He says, you'll have to drive the long way around now. So there's a bit of bitterness there. So we cut to the site. It's late at night. Bomber and Wyman leave. <coughs> Bomber says, bye, Neville. And then Neville's on his own in the office, and he ogles the calendar that's on the wall. And then there's a knock at the door and he says, come in. And then Arena turns up and she goes, I'm sorry, I'm looking for my brothers. They work on the bridge. And he says, are they Serb or Kosovan? And she says, she says, Kosovan. And he says, well, you're on the right side of the river, at least. They're stopping not far away. I could give you a lift. So they get outside and they're in the car and Teddy Platt arrives. And obviously Arena sees him and she thinks he's come for her. And she says, oh, no. And he goes, you know my son? And she goes, he has come for me. And Neville says, this is private property. What do you want? And she goes, he wants me. Go, go, go. And Neville drives off and drives to the digs. So Arena knocks on the door, speaks in Kosovo, and obviously asks for the brothers, and she goes in and sees the brothers. Yeah. And he obviously tells them that Neville's safe there, and the brothers kiss Neville in there. Neville's looking around, and he's obviously not impressed with the digs. 
So next day, there's obviously complaints have been put in, and Yorgo is very unhappy. He goes, you peoples piss me off. It's no your business how my people live. That's my business. And Neil says, the place is bog awful. It's a disgrace. You're exploiting these poor bastards. And he goes, he know how this work. We make flight deal. He goes, they do good job. Yeah or no? And he goes, aye, they're working fine. And he goes, British do better. British cost more. You people are pissed brain amateurs. And he goes, how much extra will it cost to find them some better digs? Bomber says, and he says, oh, oh he says a lot. He says, well, maybe Granger's people could chip in. I mean, they're not going to want want the press to think that they're exploiting foreign workers. And Cahoon chimes in. He says, Jesus, you're living in cloud cuckoo land. He goes, firstly, it's not foreign labour, son. It's black. And he goes, and secondly, your use bunch or the contractors here, the Havisham outfit has no moral or fiscal responsibility in this matter. Says that bloke's right. You're a bunch of bloody amateurs. And he walks out and everyone looks at us. And he says, well, what are, what are you all looking at me for? He says, I told you in the beginning. He says, we are the gaffers on this one. Um, and I went out and I shopped around and I got the best deal what I could. And Mama says, well, maybe we're the gaffers, but it weren't so long ago. We weren't. And he says, these fellas are living like we were in Germany. And Neville says, believe me, our hut was luxury compared to the squalor they're trying to live in. We've at least got to find a half-decent place for this last to move to. Mm. And um, and he says, um, and Wyman says, well, she can stop in our hotel. Feels quite Albanian to me. And Oz says, or oh, maybe you could take her home never. I'm sure Brenda would understand. <laughs> Shut off, Oz. And he goes, all right, all right. He says, don't let this get personal. He says, well, look, you could you could just tell me what all, you all want to do because it comes out of our wedge. And Dennis says, he says, well, go to London, see your pal Granger. Maybe you'll meet with halfway. And um, he says, uh, Moxie says, uh, this bloke who's looking for the skirt, Nev, says, did he have a Liverpool accent? And um, we cut to the pub and uh, they, they are sitting and the lads are sitting uh, with Arena and our brothers. And uh, they're all getting a drink. And, uh, and Neville mm. says, well, what we're trying to do is get you all better digs, uh, places to sleep. An arena translates. He says, but in the meantime, we're going to chip in and get your sister somewhere because she kind of kept down with 20 blokes. And obviously, they're all very blank looks. And Wyman says, I don't think... Yeah, they, they sort of misunderstood what you were saying, didn't they? Well, they do, yes, because he says, I don't think they got off of that. He says, um, and then Neville says, we get you hotel with friends. And um, she translates. Obviously, the brothers think there's something untoward and they start kicking off. And he says, hey, what's mm. wrong? And he says, I think that they, they've got all to the wrong end of the stick now. And Bomber says, oh, no, it's all above board. No strings. He says, I'm a grandfather. <laughs> and, uh, and she translates again and it all calms down. And she goes, I told them you're good people. We can trust you. And Moxie says, I'm glad we got that sorted. I'm bursting for a leak. So Moxie goes to the bargain and, and Teddy Platt's at the bar and he sees Moxie oh. and starts following him. But luckily, Arena notices and she sends her brothers after Teddy Platt and Moxie. Mm. So Moxie's in the toilet having a slash and Teddy Platt pulls a gun on him. And he says, bloody hell, he says, put your pecker back in your pants. He says, then you're going to take, take us to the money. 
He says, money, what money? He says, startups money, you rat bag. He says, okay. He says, it, it, he says, it's not here. He says, I didn't think it was. Let's go. And he takes him out. And he's pushing him. He says, how? He says, where are we going? He says, across the river. Village called Marsden. Now, Marsden, well, Marsden was South Shields, which Marsden ah. Grotto. So uh, there was a pub called the Marsden Grotto. I used to play for the pub. I used to play for the pool team uh, many, many, many years ago. But anyway, so across the river, um, village called Marsden. He says, open the boot. He says, you what? He says, open it. He says, now get in. He says, no way, I'm claustrophobic. He goes, honestly, he goes, I'll be sick all over your spare. And he says, it's rented. And he pistol whips Moxie uh, and he knocks him out. And then straight away, the brothers then bash Terry, Terry <laughs> back over the over the head with a with a with a with a with a with a, with a you know, four by two or something. And they throw him in the boot, take mm. the shooter off him, and the drive off. And then Moxie comes around and he's lying on the floor. Anyway, so we 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 um we cut back to well, what I'm assuming is London. Yeah. And Jeffrey says, he says, Well, I can't go back to the board with a begging bowl. He says, because your workforce don't have room service. He says, they're Albanians, for God's sake. He says, I went there on a, on a, he says, I went there on a parliamentary junket. They had a banner across the main street in Tirana. Translated, it meant glory to our potatoes. Uh-huh. And he says, so what does that prove? He says, well, these people aren't used to the finer things of life. They're not expecting shower caps and bitter mints on the pillow. He says, well, the lads feel bad. Look, anything extra can come off our big payday at the end. And, and he says, yeah. He says, your big payday says, it is conditional on the sale of the bridge. And he goes, right. And? And he says, well, there may be a wrinkle in that area. And he says, there's been a little bit of backsliding from our Asian friends. And he says, well, what are you saying, Jeffrey? He says, well, the chap we're dealing with is sad, suddenly out of favour. It's all very political. It's not untypical of that part of the world. And I says, given the catastrophic possibility that this is true, what am I supposed to do with a billion tonnes of bridge? And Jeffy says, says, well, scrap. And Oz loses the rank. He goes, scrap. He goes, we're taking it down piece by piece, sticking it in sections and numbering it because it's supposed to be rebuilt. If it was for scrap, we could have just ripped it down by now. And he says, for God's sake, I says, nothing's in stone. I was just hoisting up uh, up South Cane. I don't know what that means. Um, mm. You're increasing your capital expense. Uh, uh, he says, you're increasing your capital expenditure. We're still talking. He says, my team put their savings into this deal. Everything they've got, most of them. You better be, ta- you better be talking. You, Je- you better be talking, Jeffrey, or else I'll hoist the South Cone right up your arse. Uh-huh. Anyway, we cut um, back to the motel, and obviously that's well. So you know they've planted the seed that not all is well with, yeah. them. and that uh, you know Oz is you know I mean you know Jeffrey Granger is obviously a shit house that's you know going to be shut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we cut to the back of the motel, and Bomber's got the room sorted for Arena, and he says, "Here you go, my dear. Rooms on the first floor, lifts over there." And she says, "I thank you. I thank all of you. Good night." Foxy says, Sweet Dream says, actually, I'll get my head down as well. See you in the morning. And Bomber says, just a minute. And he says, what? He says, what haven't you told us, Moxie? He goes, how do you mean? He says, well, you weren't mugged. You're still wearing your watch. He says, it's only a Timex. He says, is that bloke one of the people that's after you? 
says, could have been. He says, well, whoever he was, where did he go? He says, I was unconscious. I've got no idea. And then we cut to the boat. <laughs> There's a boat, and it's obviously dropping the body of Teddy Platt. That's the end of him. The keys. And that is the end of yeah. So, there we go. End of episode two. Yeah. So, if anyone would like to comment about anything that we have done in this episode and obviously our fantastic interview with Mark, um, please do email us in again at gmail.com. Please follow us on Instagram at again podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at again. Please do like and share the Facebook page again podcast. And please do subscribe to the YouTube channel again podcast and click that bell. And remember, if YouTube's not your thing and you prefer to listen in the car or whatever, we are available on all good podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, Google Podcast Breaker, and many, many more. So remember, new episodes are released as and when we fancy it at this particular moment in time, clearly. But our music is composed and performed by the guitar man, Mr. Lee Dusky. So please do subs- like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, our sponsor is Top Gun Tattooing, number 12, the Harris Arcade in Reading. That's topguntattoo.co.uk, audible one eight nine nine six. And it's not Zach. It's not Zach, it's Glenn. And the code for your 20% discount is Haraway and Scheitman. Um, but remember, we do offer still the free tattoo of the free Neville and Lottie tattoo. So someone please do take us up on the offer. And if you would like to win this fantastic, genuine signed picture, copy, then you can do so by going onto the um, uh, going onto the um, uh, social media pages. Uh, follow us on social media, like the post, tag three friends, and share that post. So that's it for this episode, George. It's good to be back. It is good to be back, and we will attempt to be a little bit more regular. But yeah, definitely. Thanks to all of our loyal, uh, our loyal fans sticking with yeah, us thanks. this period, and we shall try and be back as soon as possible. But until the next episode, George. And Peter's end. <laughs> All out of options, nothing to choose. I pissed out on Netflix, I'm sick of the news. I'd sign up to Sky.